When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, my fellow Westorians. What a day it is. The day after the final episode. The when the Monday. I almost called it a Wednesday. See, I don't have no sense of time here. It's, it's Westeros. We don't know what time it is. They play with days and years and minutes. We have no idea what's going and on. And lives and hearts. <laughs> and, and all the things that you shouldn't play with. Well, yep. So. Fire. <laughs> Fire, yeah. Dragons, you know, ice, swords, bows. I'm pretty sure someone was running with scissors. Someone definitely ran with scissors, if they were invented. <laughs> if not, they ran with knives. Lots of running with knives and spears. And... Yeah, it's really it's, it's really dangerous. It's, no one should do anything that they do on the show at home. <laughs> except maybe eat and drink. Even that, though, you got to watch yeah, out for. Yeah. There's all the poisonings and questionable foods. You really and... got to be careful what you drink. <laughs> what are you drinking, Sean? That is a strange color, even for one of your creamy. It's it's the green naked drink, the protein and greens naked drink, mixed with a coconut, pineapple, sparkling ice. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. It's tasty. There's another one in the books. (laughs) No Mountain Dew, for what it's worth. A lot of people out there are worried about my health. (laughs) Still plenty of sugar. Still plenty of sugar. You went with a different kind of dew. River dew or... (laughs) Hill do, not Mountain Dew this time. Hmm. Sorry, I'll try to come with better puns than that one. That one wasn't very good. Mildew. <laughs> that was better. <laughs> so the characters are scattering to many different directions, but the fandom remains. We have many stories to tell going forward, and new stories will come whenever the uh, prequels arrive. And of course, there will be more books. But for now... John to the far north, Grey Worm to the far south, Arya to the mysterious west, the Dothraki and Drogon back to the east. I guess Drogon to the east. That's what they said. Yeah. They don't know exactly where, but yeah. And we have... We can zigzag. We can zigzag. Learn from Rickon. <laughs> and to complete the fracturing of things, we have a shot of the cracked map of Westeros, which is cracked in a very specific way. As Shea puts it up on screen, you can see it's cracked right along the border of the north. Showing the new division of Westeros, the Six Kingdoms. Now, the problem with Six Kingdoms, it's always been a bit of a misnomer. In the first place, Seven Kingdoms wasn't quite accurate, so... I remember when I was first getting into this, that was one of the things, I was like, kind of, wait a minute, but then, how many, who's Yeah, the- it's, <laughs> it's confusing, because two of the kingdoms were merged into one at the time, and then they were split back into their original parts when Aegon the Conqueror took them, but he didn't exactly rename them kingdoms again because they're all his, but they were administered separately. 
So the Riverlands, that's when Robert talks about yeah. making the eight. It's and they didn't really the, get know, Dorn at first. They didn't get Dorn for a long time, yeah. 180 years. Dorn has, uh, Dorn has been in the Seven Kingdoms longer, uh, in, for less time than Aegon's conquest had been in place. About 180 years before Dorn joined and the conquest has been 300 years. I'm, I'm sure we'll talk about for it, but that, that moment when Sansa's like, the North's been its own kingdom for thousands of years, so we're going to go back to this. Like, hey, what about Dorn was also, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep. That, well, that, that prince doesn't have any agency yet. That's so. right. Well, you know, there's a lot of reasons why someone might not want to just simply declare independence in the middle of a great council. Yeah, but yeah. it is a question <laughs> worth entertaining, for sure. And that and many other questions we will entertain this episode. You and on the subject of that cracked map that you were talking about, yeah. um, it's worth noting that we see it in the intro, too. Oh yeah, not just in the episode, but in the uh, the, intro. the crack goes across. Yeah, yeah. When was, you uh, see the 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 animated intro part, yeah. What side of the Iron Islands? What side of the crack were the Iron Islands on? Is that clear? The crack is only across the north, so mm-hmm. it's, it's 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 an east west crack. So it wouldn't really be able to involve the, the Iron Islands unless it was a lot lower than the north. But I don't think I think it's the Iron Islands in the south. That is also a bit of a conundrum that they presented us with, and possibly, in fact, likely a continuity error, but. It's the kind of thing that could have been explained off screen, so it doesn't have to be a continuity error. I believe it is. <laughs> but anyway, since we're getting into it, let's just cover this right now. The issue is Yara voted for Bran in this episode, but prior to the season, in fact, back in season six, she had a deal with Daenerys that the Iron Islands would be independent as long as they didn't raid the Seven Kingdoms, the rest of the Seven Kingdoms. So, so does that mean now it's okay for them to raid the Seven Kingdoms? Well, is that the part implication? Of, yeah, well, part of the problem is that deal was made with Danny, who's not the queen, and yeah. she wasn't queen at the time. She was claiming to be queen. Yeah. So that deal isn't necessarily upheld. Uh, so it's kind of left up in the air. Yara was certainly upset with Danny's death because they had that deal, and as you know, that was part of the reason she would be allowed to stay independent was because she had the deal with Danny. She doesn't necessarily have that deal with Bran. In fact, the way it's spl- explained there. It sort of looks like she's part of the kingdom again, but it wasn't entirely explicit. Uh, some would argue that, well, because she voted, then she was part of it. Well, Davos sat there saying, I'm not sure I get a vote, but I vote I." And then you got Brienne and Arya, who also probably don't weird have that they votes. They would have votes, yeah. Yeah, so it's not really clear. That whole thing was a little weird. Uh, you know, it's yeah, part they, of the, eff- it's part of the effect of rushing things. Like, you shouldn't, yeah. shouldn't have this, this process was a little quick, a little quick. They never even <laughs> exactly named what this was. They never even said this is a king's mood or a king's council. It's yeah. like they seem like they're just meeting to talk about Tyrion. Oh, by the way, where's John? Like, I assume there must have been some letters written leading up to this to get everyone yeah. there and lots of details to hammer out. Cause you can imagine maybe there are factors like, they may have already discussed things like who gets to vote in this or not, but maybe they didn't. The, the fact it that Davos like they wasn't did. sure. It doesn't you know? look, yeah, the yeah. idea of, of having a king's mood didn't come up until during the While scene. they were doing None it, None of them yeah. knew that was coming. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but you got to imagine there are things to answer, like maybe some people get votes but don't get protection. Pay mm. taxes, but don't yeah. get to vote, or vice versa, out. right? And, you know, I just said you can no imagine. One knew it was coming, but I guess maybe one person knew yeah. it was coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So a, a lot of this, I can imagine, would be chapters and chapters of a book that George writes. Could be a whole know? book, no, probably yeah. not a whole book, but a lot. This episode a, a could be a whole portion. book, though. <laughs> it could be, yeah. If you slowed everything down and, and take more time for 
for people to need to be convinced that Danny is, you know, dangerous, or if, if you take more time for her to become dangerous, you know, rather than it just happening so quickly. The, the visits that Tyrion would get in prison, yeah. the, and John would get in prison the over con- this time. Convincing people that Bran, rather than just being, yeah, okay, cool, you know, there would probably be more arguing and negotiating. The, the great lords of Westeros all agreeing on something just on a whim like that is, has, is pretty unrealistic. But because they're rushing, it makes sense that they would just blaze through that. It's just kind of one of the things like, I'm not going to keep complaining that they rush because they've been rushing for several seasons and it's just kind of like, yeah, well, that's what they do, right? Yeah, it's kind of, it's yeah. like, that's what we should expect. They're we hitting, all knew this episode would be rushed. Like, they're it hitting wasn't, temple you know, moments yeah. and are giving us great imagery. Yeah. And at this point, what else do you expect? And you they're know? giving us the ability, intentionally or not, to figure out what could have happened if it wasn't rushed. And yeah. that's part of the fun is us slowing it down for ourselves and imagining what it could look like and what it will look like in the books. Uh, you know, of course, we don't know exactly, but we, you know, it provides us a lot to talk about. But let's back it up for a second, give a couple quick announcements and then get into the meat of the material as long, uh, as well as a lot of, uh, other great things we have prepared. Um, our postseason schedule, we should talk about that. That's important because, as I said, the characters are scattering, but we are not going anywhere. We will be continuing to cover the fandom and all the great conversations and scripted episodes we will be putting out. We'll be continuing at the pace. We'll, if, if anything, it's going to increase. We have a live stream uh, twice a month from now on. One of them will be on a Tuesday and one of them will be on a Saturday. So one Tuesday and one Saturday every month we'll do a live stream. The Saturday ones and Tuesday ones will, topics will be TBA. Uh, Sean will be on some of the Saturday ones. The Tuesdays are difficult for him, but, but Saturdays are, are okay for you. So we'll get you in there. Team uh, Baratheon Ancestors. That's what we're going to do every time. <laughs> TBA. That's right. <laughs> every, uh, you know, as, as often as possible, you'll be reading the books. I'm doing a reread. So there's just, we have to be looking for all these new things. Like I haven't done a reread since I think season five. And so there's a lot of like plot points to look for the foreshadowing, see, you know, see if it's going to be in the books or not. There's a lot of guesswork involved. But, but if you see the foreshadowing in the books, it really, it just it really makes it a lot more likely that it's going to happen. So then there's a lot of these things for us to dig through and look around, like foreshadowing for stuff with Danny or or the opposite or foreshadowing that this is not how it's going to go. Or you could see yeah. the key differences, you know. That's the thing that I've thought about a lot is that um, for better or worse, especially recently in the show, I feel like almost anything they do, you can look back and find foreshadowing for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um so on one hand, it makes it hard to predict, and they get us with these surprises. But on the other hand, it makes it hard to believe that's what they really meant, too. It seems yeah. like they just set it up so they could do anything, and they're like just a, trying to surprise us. A good us, example you know? of that is it's been confirmed from the scripts that the, that it was snow in Daenerys' vision of the Undying when she saw the throne room. Now, they it's not that they had decided that snow would be falling on King's Landing during some final climactic scene. It's not that they had decided that... It would, you know, that they were giving themselves the option to have Ash instead. But it made them, it, it forced them to have it snow during that scene because they had done that in the past, in that vision in the past, which is, you know, it wasn't weird, but it was something they had to do to follow up with that. And, you know, that's part of the problem with plot, plotting out such a huge story so far in advance and then realizing that some of these things won't quite work because of, because of honestly, if we're being fair, things that George R. R. Martin will never have to worry about. Yeah. George R. Mm-hmm. R. Martin doesn't have to worry about author or author a- actor contracts and set locations and s- hiring just 
literally hundreds of people and all these other things that uh, go into making a TV show that sometimes I think we don't give enough credit to how much work that is and how difficult it is. Um, and just how amazing some of the people who, you know, aren't the writers, <laughs> you know, we complain about the writing yeah. a lot, but there's this, you know, that's only one, you know, it's a major part of the team, but it, there's a lot of other people involved. And um, when the writers are also directors and producers, they have a lot of other responsibilities. Yeah. And I don't think that necessarily excuses bad writing. One thing they could do with those responsibilities is delegate them to yeah. people who are, could do a better job writing, but. Yeah. No, I, and I sympathize with the, the whole concept of it's the, the, the ideas floated there. Why didn't they hand the show off to somebody else? Just like, okay, I agree that maybe they could have, but, but maybe it wasn't feasible. This is a really big, deep, involved project. I'm sure there were yeah. people who would have wanted to do it, but maybe they Just wouldn't have done a good job. All the relationships that they've developed, it would be hard to transfer all yeah. that over. I Not to mention they that. have like yeah. momentum of their life committed to this. They care about it, even if they seem to be screwing it up. Even if they're rushing, about, rushing it, it doesn't mean they don't care about it. It doesn't mean they don't yeah. want to do it their way or whatever. So this isn't an absolution, because we don't yeah. know that that's the case, but we don't know what, that it's the yeah. case. Uh, for example, nobody knows who left that cup. And the screen, <laughs> yeah. like, we don't know where that came from, but Amelia Clark is pretty sure it wasn't one of the cast because they're all very careful about that. But she did mention that Dave and Dan were extras in that scene as wildlings. And they're not <laughs> as careful because they're not on camera. They're not used to having to be careful about that. Yeah. Right. So it's possible that that was one of them, which would be pretty funny <laughs> if it was the main guys screwing it up again. <laughs> anyway, uh, a, a question from S. Nick. What about a season six review than a series review, since we can see it differently now, knowing how it ends? Other ideas would be reanalyzing re other seasons. So many things will be different knowing where it all leads. I completely agree. First, I don't think anything's changed. There's no reason to review anything. No. <laughs> first step is to reread the books for me. But I think rewatching the show is also going to be valuable, and we may do that as well. But I think books first, um, and then we'll see about rewatching the show. A good thing to do with, I think, the time to rewatch the show will be when the prequel show is going to start. Around that time, that will be to kind of, because they're definitely going to make connections between the show uh, more so than they, you know, or maybe not more so, but they'll connect the show to the new show maybe more than they connect it to the books. But maybe not. We don't know. It's it's all up in the air. George is working on the new show, so his input is, is hopefully uh, going to keep the show canon pretty well aligned with book canon. It's hard enough to keep the show and book canon straight. So it's nice if they line up well. <laughs> but um, we'll have to see about that. So a couple other quick announcements. Jenny's song. Well, I put up a, a Patreon goal at the beginning of the season, expecting it to be kind of out of reach. But y'all have responded really, really positively to that, much quicker than I would have thought. So very, very thankful for that. It means a lot to us. And it also means I got to get going on this because y'all crossed that threshold. And... That means I got to work on it. I I'm excited. I'm glad that, uh, I got there. I, I had mentioned the idea of doing like a metal cover of this song. Yeah. Someone on Twitter linked me to a drum and bass remake of this song, which is pretty awesome. It's like electronic really? drum and bass, kind of a quick paced electronic check genre. Yeah, I loved it. That sounds really good. Yeah. So uh, speaking of patrons, that was the, the most recent milestone. And if, if y'all haven't heard, we're going to be upping our Patreon rates for bonus episodes at the end of the month, we said end of the season, we'll go ahead and let it run out the end of the month. So starting on June 1st, the rates will go up. But if you come in now, you get grandfathered in at the old rate. So good way to keep that rate low for the long term rather than paying a bit more. But do what you like, spend what you like, give what you think is worth it. 
and we will appreciate it. All right. So also, dance. yeah, and we'll, maybe we'll dance. Yeah. Also in that line, uh, I'm behind on giving y'all nicknames. Part of becoming a patron means that you can request us to make a nickname for you. And because we've gotten so many new patrons that uh, I've fallen behind on that. So I apologize if you're still waiting for a name or a welcome email. The last few days I haven't sent the welcome emails. I usually try to send them within 48 hours, but... It's been too hectic with the final season and the final episode and so many of y'all coming in at once. So did we already use I'll catch up. generic nickname A1 and generic nickname A2? We're going to have to go to the Bs. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's just too many of those. It's like a whole squad of A's, B's, and C's. And really, I'm really running out of names here. <laughs> from Okay, so let's get into some questions here from Benjamin Kerbhel. I do not know how to say your name. I apologize. Will John find love with a wildling north of the wall? Will he go back to Castle Black? Or is he just going in exile to atone for what he did? And related question from Perry, a super chat, who says the Night's Watch issue is murky. Members of the Watch escorted John back north, but who was the Knight Command, uh, the, the Lord Commander, and who was there to give John his oath? Do you think the sentence was just to appease Grey Worm in the moment? I think that was part of it, the appeasing Grey Worm, because Grey Worm wanted justice, and, but I don't think that John's gonna just come back. Uh, one, one other question we got is, you know, can't Brand pardon John once uh, Grey Worm's out of the picture and other people who are mad at John? Can't he just pardon him? Like, well, yeah, he could, but I don't think he's gonna. Yeah, exactly. There's all kinds of things he could do, but that's part of why they picked him. He's not going to do those things, you know? Yeah. Uh, there, there's not, they're not trying to angle some way to make John be king. John didn't want to be king anyway. Yeah. Like, I think the a couple things I want to say, I saw a lot of uh, comments and memes along the lines of, you know, well, John... To, to make peace with Grey Worm and the Unsullied, we have to send you north. John sees Grey Worm and the Unsullied sailing away. <laughs> Sorry, John's a promise, a promise, you know. <laughs> uh, but I think that uh, also people like wondering, you know, how come no one mentioned John as a candidate to be king? I think a, a couple reasons. One, they know he doesn't want to be king. Well, like, and because he um, wasn't really politically an option. Right, because they knew it would be shut down. Like it's, it would be it, someone standing up and proposing John. Sansa would have been like, Please sit down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Grey Worm would never accept that. He was, he was, yeah. you know, like he he was in a tough spot because if Grey Worm got too bloody, he would find himself killed. They would, you know, the thousand Northerners, thousands of Northerners outside the walls would be a problem. And he didn't want to stay. He's not like, oh, I want to stay here in Westeros. This is where I'm going to make my home. He wanted to see justice done and go. And that doesn't mean getting himself killed in the process necessarily. So he has, you know, he had, a, he was negotiating from a position of strength, but it wasn't from a position of absolute power. So he had to, it had to be a compromise. And that's yeah. what Tyrion said, you know, it's like, well, no one's happy. That's a sign of a good compromise, right? Yeah. And that was it. Like, there was a lot of candidates that Grey Worm would probably have accepted most candidates, but no way he was going to accept John. And that is just a negotiating point. Like that, that like he was, the, he was not on the table. It was an the, option. The vote would fall apart. Like they don't necessarily need consensus. And again, they didn't, they didn't define the rules of this vote. No, like let's just mm-hmm. say that they had proposed three different people and one person got four and one person got four and one person got three. So no one got a majority. What if it was four, four or four or three and three or whatever? You know what I mean? You see what I'm saying? How someone could have got more votes than anyone else without even getting a majority. Yeah. So would they go with that? Would everyone, cause they, they, Whatever way they do it, they have to pretty much get everyone on board. The book and great certain, versions of the Great Councils. There's lots of arguing. It takes yeah, days and weeks. Exactly. And people like this it's is our, it's 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 suggested that there's like bribery and things like that going back on. Room which, maneuvering, yeah. and you can imagine it, it, this is maybe a little too tidy. And we can go on and on about how we wish they spent more time in this, but they they got to get to it. They got to get to it. They do, and yeah. so 
it makes sense to me that they don't bother someone bringing up John and getting shut down. They don't bother bringing up three different nominations and debating how to narrow it down. They just have everyone agree. Partly because we won't have heard of these characters, That's right? Like also, they didn't yeah. because the 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 rushing uh, and the the keeping the 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 character the size of the cast, cast yeah. in line, which is already it's already a huge huge cast. There's already people who watch the show that still don't know some characters' names. Like we we don't have that problem. Y'all don't have that problem. But that is a thing out in the general Game of Thrones fandom where people still are like, wait, what that's what's that guy's name? So you can't just go throwing in like random characters who might be a king someday because no one's going to remember that who that is except, you know, us. And so that would be cool for us. But that's, and that's even not fair we, for us to expect them to make the show. Yeah, that way. our response still would be like what this person whose name got mentioned one time is being nominated for king. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. You know, we, we know they're not going to yeah. be the king. We know it's just running through the hoops. Yeah, just showing us the running. You know, it's not actually no one's fooled by any of that. So they may, you know, in that sense, I don't mind them skipping ahead. There's a lot of other things that I don't want them to rush. But this kind of thing. It's would have been too much for them to do. You know, the undertaking of showing all of it would have been not great TV. Uh, so we have to concede some things. Like if we want more logistics, we want them to pay more attention to these details. We still have to give some of them up because some of them just aren't going to be good TV. We have to admit that that's the case. It wouldn't have been too much for them to tell us that was Helen Reed there, though. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> I, I really wanted to know who those dudes' names were. Just give yeah. us their names. Just say it like Lord Blank, Lord Blank, Lord Blank. Okay, done. Yeah, like, just call gonna... on them as they vote. Yeah. I obviously agree, but I would like to point out that in terms of it being Helen Reed or who it is, Sansa made it clear that she's not part of, of the Seven Kingdoms. She's not ruled by Bran. And so any men, none of those men should be bannermen to Sansa because otherwise they wouldn't have voted. That's, that's probably true. Yeah. That's true. So yeah, you can so assume that they're not Manderleys or, you know, whatever, any, any reeds or any house yeah, that would be point, subject yeah. to them. Mm. I, to- I want to totally agree with you, but there's still like inconsistency that they presented us with. Like, why is Arya getting to vote? Why is Brienne there? You know, yeah. if those characters can be there, even if they don't get to vote, Mira could have been there, man. She was on <laughs> that journey with Bran. <sighs> uh, so. Next question, why did Grey Worm just lay down? He lost Mel and now Danny. I can't see him doing anything but fighting John till his death one way or another. He wouldn't just arrest him and let the Lords of Westeros decide what to do. I disagree. I think that is what he would do because he's not, he knows it's not his job. Tyrion pointed out what he already knew. It's not your place. And Grey Worm it, it had to agree with that because it's true. He's like, well, yeah, I'm not the king of Westeros. I have no authority here, but I will, I do have the position of, I do have... He you has know, authority in King's Landing. Yes, he has authority because he has an army, right? He, but yeah. he's not trying to claim political power. He's not like, right. I'm not trying to make this decision because, but I will get what I, but I am not going to just lay down here. Yeah. And that's what she's saying. Why did he lay down? Well, he didn't, he didn't lay down. He, 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 John would have probably been named king if it weren't for Grey Worm's presence. And that's, you know, a big deal. And so Possibly. he didn't lay down. He just wasn't Probably. willing to die for it. Yeah. And I and understand that his men die, more men. innocent it's, people yeah. die. It's not just him, right? Yeah. It's his men. Yeah. He, it's, he's responsible for their lives too. And they're not necessarily just willing to go to the grave just because their queen died too. Like she freed them. They're not slaves, right? They're, yeah. they can, they can be upset. They can demand justice, but they're not just going to necessarily fight to the death over this and in a foreign it. land over a foreign leader yeah. you know. he wanted to go to nath he probably had that in his mind already he he arguably was unhappy with danny appointing him commander of all his armies she's like he's like i had this plan to go to nath just because yeah. mel M- Masande is dead that doesn't mean i don't want to leave he's still kind of you know you get the sense that he was just helping her complete her quest and then he kind of wanted to go so he was similar to Tyrion. Tears yeah. like, gotta be hand. All right. <laughs> yeah. I really like that, by the way. It's kind of out of, you know, out of sequence here, but 
within like five minutes of episode one, season one, the hand of the king is is shown to be a crap job. <laughs> like Ned is like, ugh. You know, the I, last hand was just killed. Yeah, right? it's, yeah. Ned is realizing he has to leave his home and his family to go do it. And he, yeah. yeah, it is. It is an honorable, noble job, but it is a bad job. Like it is. It is a stressful, thankless, tireless. You know, job. It's. It's. It's a fair. I, you know, it's kind of weird seeing the. You know, him <clears throat> fail upwards like that. But it is. I. I kind of agree with that lo- logic that Brand presented there. That it is kind of a punishment. <laughs> this has come up in discussion several times in the past couple of weeks. But there's a movie called Fog of War. It's a documentary about Robert McNamara. Yeah, Ra- McNamara. <laughs> McNamara. <laughs> Man, awesome. he totally shouldn't change his name. <laughs> uh, if, if you were on Twitter, yeah. that's what it means. You're, def- you're crushing me with the puns today. <laughs> uh, but he was Secretary of Defense during the Vietnam War, and. He didn't want to be at war in Vietnam. He was against it, but it's, it's his job. He had to go represent America and the president and all these press conferences, just reporting on what's going on in Vietnam. And he was sort of a villain during that time period, even though he personally didn't even want to be in Vietnam. So it's yeah. uh, interesting people in positions of power, especially like uh, second tier levels of power where they have all this responsibility, but don't necessarily have the authority, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Nancy Groth asks, WTF happened to the Dothraki? Would it have been too much to take 10 seconds to say they were happy we got ships to them to go back in the Great Grass Sea? Yeah, at least we saw it. We saw them getting on ships, but that was it. I mean, that Some was, of them. It's not well, it you can assume clear they were to all me. Going, but, uh, yeah. Maybe you could. The, but part of why it's a little harder for me to assume is because they don't like ships in the first place. They were well, willing to do it for Danny, but yeah. now Danny's having an error. I don't well, know. How are they, I mean, they want to go home, though. Yeah, That's pretty, I suppose. It's a pretty safe yeah. assumption they want to yeah. go home. I, I don't have a problem assuming that. I, I agree that it would have been better to have more, but I don't have any problem assuming that that they're yeah. going to go home that they want to go home. That totally makes sense to me. But yeah, I would have liked Mark's, but, but it's not a surprise. We knew that we would mm. get very little because this is how it's always been. Why would they now start paying attention to Dithraki after mm. kind of keeping him on the side for so long. I mean, it was one of the reasons I had a hard time predicting Danny dying was because, by the way, had someone posting the, <laughs> the, the image of, 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 uh, Rob, not uh, Mac, Mac from, uh, it's always sunny, just like eating the contract. And, oh like, yeah. Covers based on someone to Sean with his notes after his predictions. Like, <laughs> I never predicted Danny would die. But, but part of my, my prediction of Danny not dying, cause I didn't see how they would handle the entities surrounding her. I wasn't sure. What would happen with the Unsullied, the Dothraki, and Drogon? And I feel like they did a pretty good job with Drogon. They did a pretty good job, I guess, with the Unsullied, but they pretty much did no job with the Dothraki. And I so when it's one of my biggest disappointments of the show is I wanted to have some named characters discussing it. It would have been so awesome to have them debate on whether or not they're going to go back on ships and something like, no, we're staying. They offered the Unsullied the Reach. We can go to the Reach. Something like that, you know? And again, yeah. it would have taken like maybe seven whole lines of dialogue <laughs> well i can, uh, that I, I agree with you I, I think it would have gone the same way the, uh, the result would have been the same though uh, I, I, as much as i would have wanted to see it it wouldn't it's not like it would have gone differently like the unsullied ha- forming a house even though they can't have kids makes sense because they're not they don't have a nation to go back to they don't have a homeland the yeah. Dothraki do so that you can assume they would want to go there but the unsullied need different treatment because they don't have a home to go back to so i can kind of understand why they paid more attention to them even though i I totally agree. I wish they had paid more attention. Just to like them. Mira, they were a part of this journey for Danny, longer and more yes. so, and just get nothing, you know? Yeah, I agree. Okay, so next question from Lady Aradros. I got my Arya Farman moment, and I'll hail the Queen in the North. I'm a happy Stark Bannerman right now, and thank you, History of Westeros. You are all the best. Well, we appreciate that, Lady Aradros. And I want to say just a moment to uh, talk about expectations and, and what people 
got from the final couple episodes. It really, really depends on where you're sitting. I don't want to tell anybody, you know, I've, I've, I've said a lot about, you know, being nice to your fellow fandom members, but I've, I don't want to step over the line and tell anyone how to feel. That's, that's inappropriate. That's not my place. But I do want to at least offer a suggestion on how to treat other people. Because look, if you're not a big Daenerys fan, then this wasn't a huge deal to you. Almost every character got a pretty reasonable ending. A pretty, like, not necessarily reasonable, not necessarily what you wanted, but a somewhat happy ending. Like a positive, like, okay, that's a good ending for them. Most of the characters got a decent ending. Grey Worms was one of the few that I would actually call bittersweet. Danny's was not bittersweet. That was bitter. Yeah. John's was pretty sweet. Yeah, he had to kill Danny, which is awful. That was traumatizing I, for him. Still, He'll probably I never think love again. Grey Worms is significantly more bitter than sweet. I think there's little which, to no which sweet. Which Grey Worm. I think there's little to no sweet for him. Yeah. Oh, I agree. He got. He's the same situation as Danny, where he basically had no one left anymore. Like he yeah. he made it through everything, but he's it's like Mary Ma's door. What is life when you have nothing around you? Yeah. So you're right. It's more better. Definitely more better than sweet. But like Bran, it's a pretty happy ending for Bran. Tyrion. I mean, yeah, he used to work hard, but it's that's bittersweet if anything it's that's not bad you know maybe it's a stretch to call that bitter but it's it's not a, a total win same with torment and ghost and sansa and Arya. they all had pretty good endings or great ending like sansa's ending is a huge win for sansa fans yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? like you can't really get you better than that like unless she was actual queen of all of westeros which might not have been better yeah, you know, that might have been, some people yeah. might have wanted that for her. Uh, John was more happy about being king of the north than being king of Westeros. Yeah. So there's like, so I got a feel for Danny fans because they kind of got a raw deal. You know, like that, if you were, if you back, if you backed a certain horse, well, the Daenerys horse turned to be the tragic horse to back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like all these other characters, you could at least have something to be happy about for the most part. Again, Grey Worm, pretty good argument that his ending is pretty damn bitter. But so Team Danny, it's just more suffering for them because that's part of the same. That's the same association uh, in a lot of ways. Anyway, um, so I want to make that. I wanted to say that because it's it's a lot of the arguments I think come from people not uh, necessarily understanding how much other people like certain characters, you know. And that's uh, as an emotional thing, you know. It's not a logic <clears throat> thing necessarily. That your favorites aren't based on things that you can necessarily point to all the time. Sometimes it's just like a subconscious thing. It's like, I, I like that character and I can't necessarily say all the things. I can't put it all into words. Why? You know what I mean? Um, that's common enough out there. All right. Let's keep going from Valyrian Echoes. What are your thoughts about the positioning of the two main characters and climactic scene in Act 1? I think Act 3 would have been more suitable. P.S. A lost moment of the evil three-eyed raven getting his way fleshed out as a happy ending. <laughs> yeah, the... Uh, we wondered if that would be a thing, uh, if there would be any sort of epilogue type, you know, up, oh, you know, there's a little evil king after all. We didn't really think it was likely, but we, you know, it was worth, the theory was worth putting out there. But I think that the two main characters in Climax scene, I mean, I mean, I think we've, we've said before that Daenerys' turn was, was rushed and that is not great. And it caused a lot of other things to, you know, it had other collateral damage from rushing that. Yeah, point. I could easily see there being an episode or two spent on John's dilemma of killing Daenerys yeah, and whether yeah. you're doing it. And more than that, I've, I heard some people were like, this right here, one season. Yeah. I don't believe, agree with that. But and this is something we're going to get into on Book to Show much more extensively. If you picture roughly, but if you picture roughly that this season, six episodes are book six and seven. 
there's a splitting point somewhere in there. Yeah, so yeah. it might be that the final two episodes we got are all of book seven, for it's example. Possible. It's possible. Like, we don't know where it is, and we're going to go into that a little bit more, but it's something for people to think about, I think. Even in the show, I was thinking about in season one, how, like, there's this clear parallel to, uh, to Ned, Tavares coming to Ned, saying, you know, like, look, here's the things you should do. I won't do that for my honor or my life. All right, all right, but what about for your family? Okay, I'll do it. With, with Ned and Varus, <laughs> that was stretched out over a few scenes, a couple episodes at least. I wish I could remember more specifically, but it's at least two episodes, maybe three episodes, and several scenes for Ned to go through this realization. With John, it was like one scene. Tyrion goes to talk to him. John goes to kill Danny. It just immediately happened. There was no internal struggle all coming around or series of I conversations. Agree. And then even after that, we don't see John again at all for any of it. You know, like, imagine the turmoil he's going through being imprisoned, you know? Like, yeah. it wouldn't be crazy. We got hey. more We got more scenes of Ned in the Black Cells, you know? Yeah. And that was, you know, not quite as big, but pretty big. And, I can imagine a know? conversation of Grey Worm going in to talk to John. Yeah. Imagine Grey Worm might feel guilt over killing those Lannister soldiers. Grey Worm probably is unsettled with himself, you know? He might. Yeah, he might. It's in, it's possible. Yeah, there's there's a lot of that options. That would be a there. great POV to have, a great conversation to happen between Grey Worm and John, you know? John conveying to Grey Worm how he had to kill Ollie. You know, can you I mean I just my mind just spins <laughs> what Martin's gonna tell us. Tough, it would just yeah. completely skipped over. You could here, say, so. like, yeah, I've been here. I've had to execute people that were, you know, like I do. Yeah, they, there's yeah, you're right. There is a lot of uh, opportunity there. Something John's saying, maybe even stopping Grey Worm from executing him, you know. Yeah. From DTS, confused about Bran, are we supposed to think he played everyone or just did nothing and waited for others to arrive at a future he foresaw while edging them to those decisions? Just felt weird. And also from Sir Hype the Dank, was Bloodraven's plan the whole time to usher in a newish government via Bran? Was Bran's whole arc just setting up the dominoes, like revealing R plus L equals J? Yeah, I think there is a, a lot of that uh, is, is not unlikely. In a, it, I'm referring to the domino tumbling thing. We're, we're not quite, it's clear that Bran manipulated events. He, what his end game was isn't entirely clear, but given where he ended up, it seems likely that that's what it was. Whether it was out of altruism or, you know, a sense of this is the best for everyone or something else. Well, we didn't see any evidence that it's something else. We just saw evidence that it was what they thought was right. And so I think that, yes, I think there's a good chance that he, edged certain things in a certain direction so that it would end up like this and that they did this was a way to move things forward they wanted to change the system of government and to do and by driving a wedge between Dan, uh, John and Danny they really kind of showed that you know if, if John and Danny didn't have that wedge well maybe he would have married her and then been stuck and then they would have not been able and then they would have gone down this dark path and John wouldn't have maybe it would have been too late to yeah. bring him over. There's a lot of, a lot of different ways It seemed ways like he was gone. literally willing to be burned to death rather than break his vow. Like, if Danny it, wants to kill me because she thinks I'm a threat, then she'll, she's a queen. Yeah. She can decide that. I'm not going to go against her. Like, I agree. But, uh, but then we, which was so, which is very much likely predicted that it, that it mm -hmm. wouldn't, John's own life would not move him. But if it became someone else's life, it would move him. That's exactly yeah. what happened. Tyrion, yeah. as John's walking out the door, just like his var, just like his Varus is walking out the door to Ned, Varus pauses. And says, well, what about Sansa's life? What about the life of your daughter? Is that precious to you? And Tyrion says the same thing. Well, what about your family? What about when she goes north? You know, what about them? 
It's the exact same. It was a wonderful way to call back that moment. And it was perfect for that, for that moment. And it really got John. It's really what moved him. I think that was the thing that, that pushed him over the edge there. Oh, well, and the, that's what pushed him over the edge to confront her. What actually pushed him over the edge was him when he did confront her. And she's like, and she says the thing she said to him about, I know what's best and, and we make the choice and, you know, we can't hide behind small mercies. It was, yeah. and when she, when she he had just, that very unsatisfying answer to, you burned all those children. And it's like, she's she, like, oh, well, Cer- she was, Cersei's fault, you know, like, uh. She was uh, reinforcing all the things Tyrion was concerned about. Yes, yes. <laughs> Basically, all the things Tyrion was worried about, she confirmed. I also thought that was a good scene, an interesting dynamic they had, because she's like delighted with her victory. She's like, yeah. Reminiscing on her childhood dreams, yeah, you know, just hitting her face. And John's like, I can't believe what you did. Like he's yeah. coming in with this anger and frustration and she's, she's really put off. happy and yeah. content. And it was like such a clash between them. They're in such yeah. different places. It, it was, I thought that was really well done because as, as, as painful as it was to see Danny not be a good person, it's, that was authentic. The way they played that out, uh, authentic in that her beliefs were, you know, she was legitimately shocked at his reaction. It was like, Oh, I don't understand this. Like, where yeah. this is the good thing if know? he come in here i even thought about this I, I, I you totally convinced me but i started to apply it in a different way still haven't fully thought it out by the way once again i said this last week still this week i, I have not fully got my thoughts together <laughs> there's so much to it yeah. um the longer episodes just, yeah <laughs> that was interesting meaningful uh deliberate both by the writers and the character danny she gave that speech in valerian Oh, that she was gave that speech really, yeah, yeah, I really like that. Uh, that was really good. So when Tyrion came up to her in that moment, I, I wondered if there was anything that she could have said to him that might have alleviated his concerns. If he was just no matter what, just going to pluck that pen off and throw it, or if there, if if he had come up to her and, and she had said, "Look, I'm sorry about how things went down. We'll talk about it later." Yeah. Now, then maybe he wouldn't. Maybe he would have, you know. But. You point out it doesn't make sense for her. She's giving her speech of triumph. She's not compromising here. She's no. not backing down. She's she, not. She's not compromising. Nor is she going to do it in a public place in front of all well, of her men. She might quietly whisper, still, alleviate like, you, his concern. You can, you can read yeah. body language to oh, a certain yeah. extent, and like yeah. she can't. She just can't do that. Not to mention he betrayed her. Right. She's oh gonna, yeah. She's, yeah. She straight so, up. Yeah. So same thing. I wonder when John went to confront her if there's something that she could have said that he might have been if she had said like. It's terrible the sacrifice we had we had to make to get here, but at least he done it. And he would have been like, "But yeah, well, he comes we can't do it mad. again." You he know? comes in all mad, and she's just like, "When I was a kid, I yeah. dreamed of this throne. I thought it would be a lot bigger." Blah blah blah. Like she's just totally on another plane of yeah. thinking right He's now. He's ready totally to argue. Yeah. She's happy with her position, and and neither of them are making any attempt to find middle ground. And uh, yeah, and you just see it all over. Oh man, I just I I was so because I was pretty convinced that he wasn't going to kill her and they were hugging and i like i'm gonna say i wish i knew i wish i wanted time how long that hug was but i'm gonna say <laughs> in about one second i was like she's standing too close to him <laughs> and in my mind i was still like he could just kill her if he wanted if he's like ramsey and ruse but it's still in my mind i was like wouldn't that be funny and like and i'm like oh no he really did it I mean, I was, my notes real quick. Let me I, eat my notes. <laughs> i was you as as we anyone who's listened knows i was uh, i i was pr- Pretty sure at back and forth on who would die. You know, I settled on Danny dying and John not. But I 
still was pretty against the idea of John being the one to do it, even though after the fact it makes so much sense with Nissa Nissa and all that. And I know it doesn't exactly line up. And I've but, always really wanted them both to die very much. Yeah, like yeah, the idea did, of yeah. if John killed Daenerys and then the Dothraki blood riders roll up and they're like, wait, what did you do? <laughs> yeah. killing you right yeah. now. Yeah, blood of like, my blood. They're supposed to, yeah, that's not, that's, it's yeah, not I, consistent I, I, with I don't know exactly how he got out of there and, and was still captured and well, it's not the, killed. It's because the Unsullied got him. Yeah, and the Unsullied just had the discipline the to not kill him. There are no other troops there, too. Yeah, Remember and, that confrontation yeah. that started to happen when Grey Worm was just yeah. executing Lannisters? Grey Worm isn't an idiot. Yeah, the, mm-hmm. the, the Unsullied on one side and the Northern troops on the other all drew their weapons. Yeah. And Davos was like, oh, calm down, calm down. You can imagine Davos probably had to do some more calming down <laughs> over yeah. the... The following up, following moments after Dan, after John killed her. But it's very John too that he just he didn't even try to not face the music. No one else saw it. Yeah. He could have just walked out of the room, grabbed his dagger, walked away, and they would have been like, "Well, who did that?" I, they would have yeah. accused him. They would have been like, "Well, you did you do it?" But they wouldn't. They wouldn't know. It'd be hard. That's so, not uh, one angry person with the crossbow. Yeah, I, I even kind of John. joked that John's uh, not even like. He was just like so distraught that he's not even pay attention to the dragon that's two feet behind him yeah. that's making all this noise. He was that distraught. Also, he does that little thinking ahead. <laughs> he also does <laughs> like, not think ahead. Right. John is not. Yeah, a, if he had a, thought ahead, he might not have done anything differently, but he might have done something a little differently if he thought ahead a little bit. Yeah, he went um, in there with his passion and his personality without yeah. a plan. <laughs> I, I, I joke that, you know, he, See what he, would it would have been, you know, if someone like walks into the room and John could be like, Drogon just burned her and flew off. I don't even know what happened. But someone else joked back that John would just lock himself in a cell. <laughs> People would come up and be like, why are you locked in a cell? Like, I killed Danny. I deserve right. it. Yeah. yeah I deserve it. And it's the thing. Like, when he when you get to the moment where Tyrion comes to him after Tyrion's been set free, or not set free, but comes to John and it says, tells him all the stuff that's happened because it's clear that like a month or two has passed, if not more. And he's talking to John. He's telling him all the stuff that happens. And John, it's like John's not listening. He's just like, was it the right thing? Did I do the right thing? It's all he can think about. You know, given that they're rushing, that was a good beat to hit. You know, they get the skipping time and not showing all that reaction. Fast forwarding to after everyone's calmed down. Kind of makes sense. You see that he's at least they get gave us time lapse in that sense. Which it shows that John is still distraught this long after. Because it would be really awful for him to just hand. It's like, oh, well, she's gone. Let's move on. You know, you can't do that. Like, they've, they've hand-waved too much. So <laughs> that's, I'm glad they didn't hand-wave that. You know, I might have got it wrong about Danny surviving, but this isn't really about, you know, going over all of our predictions. This is really more about going all over all my predictions that were correct. That's what this is really about. And I did Ooh. predict. <laughs> Here it comes. I wasn't even going to say anything about our our uh, hero, the Master of Coin. Yeah. <laughs> I was, but I did say that I did predict that we would have a small time jump, and that we would oh, kind of, you're right. We would kind of scroll through where where are they now of all the different characters, you know. Yeah. Um, I just have to say, Sean, Bron thing, and to everyone listening, I really was so upset at the, after the episode originally. I was like, my first thought was that that was the my biggest complain of most pissed <laughs> off about. I eventually had something I was more frustrated about. But I just have to say here and now, it's never going to happen in the books. You all know it. Like, so there's so many Reachmen that will be the Lord of my garden or Lady or whatever. But there's a lot of Tyrells. The High Towers are, are coming up hot. Straight out of Old Town. Yeah, exactly. Bran might have a lot of killing to do. <laughs> or Bronn might have a lot of killing to do. I said Bran. I meant Bronn. Sorry. Oh. Bronn might have a lot of killing to do. Yeah. 
So it won't happen, okay? But it happened here in the show, and the show is a joke. So there we go. You heard it from me. That's the thing. She's that just brawn washed. <laughs> Everyone was brawn washed. Everyone was brand washed. That, that's how he got elected. Brand washed in that council. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the next question kind of relates to that from Kim Abridged. Is Bran the king or Three-Eyed Raven? Hasn't Bran said he's not Bran? Children of the Forest won or the Starks won? Night King and Three-Eyed Raven have jumbled all this up for me. Children of the Forest created both. Okay, well, one thing, I know this isn't exactly what your question is aimed at, but I want to say there is no winning here. Taking the throne is not a win. I think that's a very important, that's not necessarily what you were trying to say. Maybe it's just the way you worded your question, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not coming at you here, but I want to say that's an important lesson here. The throne is not a win. It's a bad thing. It's corrupting. It's evil. They only, that's why they gave it to Bran was because they hope that he can handle it because everyone else that's touched it for the most part it hasn't gone well. So I don't think it's a win when your house gets the throne or your favorite house gets the throne. The, you could say the Starks won in a sense because so many of them survived. <laughs> that would be, that's the win that they get happy endings, you know, or somewhat happy endings, depending on which Stark you're thinking about. So, and the children of the forest are dead according like the way it's been portrayed in the show they're gone so i don't see that could be a win you know <laughs> dying out it's not really a win and but bran is it's it's not super clear in the show what the three-eyed raven means in terms of like a collective is does he, how much of these past three-eyed ravens are in him or is he more of a unique personality that just has a slight influence from those past personalities it's very much not clear so it's hard to say, but it's, it's, we, we were, that's kind of why we were leaving open room for, you know, his eyes to turn blue at the end, if something like that, even if he was even king, which we didn't know. That was just one of our guesses. And, uh, you got pretty confident about that guess right at the end there. I like, did. Yeah. yeah. The brand, brand, the brand becoming uh, the king. Yeah. Yeah. You want to elaborate on why you became more confident? Well, I said it on, uh, I think I said it on some of the predictions episodes, the, the, yeah. the bookie odds were really a selling point because to me, it's like, it's not like this is hidden in from, it's like nobody, it's like a sporting event where we don't know the outcome. There are people who know, people who worked on the show, people who know what happened. Like, it's not like there aren't several hundred people who know the truth. That's true. That's so true. like, if the bookies know, they're probably right. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, that was my, res that was my resignation. I was like, ah. It's kind of a meta reason. Yeah. And yeah. at first, and when I realized that, I almost wish I hadn't said anything because it's like, well, that's almost proof. And that's not, I don't want to, it's almost a leak. So I kind of felt bad about saying it. But it didn't occur to me. I hadn't fully thought it through. And after the fact, I was like, yeah, that was too concrete of evidence for me to spill. Because, but I just didn't think of it in that way at yeah. first. And I'd already said it. So anyway, sorry, guys. As, if, as if, you, if you considered that a spoiler, I apologize. But, you know. What as you, you were giving, when you first brought it up, because to me, a lot of the theories are all brand, brand is the Nike and all this stuff. I kind of like roll my eyes It was too eyes similar to that, it. right? Right, exactly. Yeah, and so was. this one, when you were bringing this up, now, to be fair, a lot of times when people make this brand as a Night King argument, they follow up with some evidence, and I'm like, oh, I guess, I still don't believe it, you're not convincing me, but I guess you're not being completely silly, there's something behind this, you know, but it's still something I wouldn't expect you to be behind, so when you brought up the brand could be king, I was like, really? You like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, a lot of people had that reaction, actually. But you started giving <laughs> your reasons before you said anything about the bookies, and I was like, well, I guess there are, there are little bits of evidence. I had even also considered the idea of like, okay, so... Danny burns King's Landing and everyone looks at all this evidence of how, see, there's all along they had this set up for. It. But if Danny hadn't burned King's Landings, see, all along they had this evidence for, it. you know, there's all kinds of evidence that she wouldn't do it too. So 
there sure there might be evidence that brand that, that could lead if they do make him be the the, the king then i guess i can see how they might have set that up you know but if they didn't i can also see how they didn't set that up yeah you know? well and then uh, it, the other problem and this is the big flaw <clears throat> in the theory or a big flaw in the theory was that we knew that the showrunners told us there were three big twists. Think three things that surprised really surprised them that George told them about the plot. One of them was Hodor, the other was Shireen, and the third was left oh, no, up in the yeah. air. Well, to me, John killing Danny's a big damn twist, but so is Bran becoming king. So which of those was so that was part of the argument against it is like, well, one of these can't be true, or one of them isn't a big twist, but they're both big twists. So also, I so that was part of the struggle there. I I feel like, and again, I haven't read all the books, but even not having read all the books, I'm very aware of Nissa Nissa. I'm very aware of all yes. these theories and prophecies and evidence. But I was never aware of some theory that Bran might become king. There's yeah. lots of other things that, like the idea, of, you know, maybe Danny just totally burning King's Landing. That might be shocking, but it's not really a twist because there was a lot of evidence for that, right? Mm-hmm. And the idea of John killing Danny might be shocking, but not really a twist because there's a lot of evidence for that, but maybe more so in the books, you know. But D&D would be aware of that. So, yeah. You know? yeah, you're but right. Yeah. I don't feel like there's a lot of evidence for Brand becoming king, so I, I do feel like maybe that was the bigger of the twists. Right on. Okay, let's move on. Sir Matthew of the House Begonius asked, whatever happened to the Night King's mark on Bran? Well, I assume because, like, the other magic that was in play from him, it died with him. Well, just like the whatever magic animated the Whites and the other White Walkers died with him. So whatever, you know, the mark ceased to matter. We guess that it might not have ceased to matter, but it looks like it ceased to matter. And that's a yeah. reasonable consistency there, given that everything else about him seems to have died with him. So why not this also? Maybe it's a badge of honor to him now, a reminder of the evils that whatever, whatever. Yeah, that's true. From Tracy Metherell, when Drogon was mourning his mommy, nosing her to try to revive her, it broke me. I cried tears of joy when good boy Ghost finally got his pets. Oh, yeah, we were yelling at the screen, pet him, pet him. <laughs> and it was almost like... I'm not glad he didn't, they didn't ha- he didn't pet Ghost on the way down, but it was symbolic of him, you know, rejecting his Stark heritage and then he comes back to it. So given that, I'm okay, you know, that they just, that they planned all along for him to eventually pet Ghost. You know, that kind of does. It's more okay. Heal it's not that okay, wound. but it's more okay. It is more okay. You're right. That's a good way to put it. It's not more, it's not okay, but it's more okay. <laughs> and I agree. There's all, and there is a, one of the things coming in book to show, we have some really cool quotes we pulled that that uh, has to do with some foreshadowing for brands, some foreshadowing for Great Council, uh, as well as there's an, 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 a reference to a dragon nosing another dragon, thinking it's uh, not uh, not dead, you know, wanting it to come back to life or or fly with it. It's very sad. <laughs> Somehow these large, terrible killer nuclear lizards can make us sad because they're they're just a pet that loves their mother. Mm-hmm. By the way. John was stabbed in the heart and a red priest fixed him. Maybe Drogon was just carrying Danny to to Kinvara. To Kinvara, yeah, to go heal her. Yeah, she's going to come back, man. I'm telling you, there's hope yet. Oh, that would be something. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, they they foreshadowed. They foreshadowed a 10-year reunion. (laughs) (laughs) They're just going to change Lady Stoneheart into Daenerys instead. They're just suborning that plot. (laughs) It's heart. I mean, she's stabbed in the heart, right? It's just like Stoneheart. That's why I didn't kill her because her heart was stone. It just broke the blade. Next question from Lil Angry Irishman. I for Edmure. I was fine with the execution for what it was. Yeah, Edmure. I for Edmure. Uh, 
That, Sorry, I gotta back up. Tobias Menzies is, is a good actor. I wish John had <laughs> asked Arya if he could borrow her dagger real quick <laughs> before he went to see Danny. <laughs> That's just in case she's wearing some sort of armor. I want to make sure I got the really good dagger. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Sir Matthew of the House Begonias also says, thanks for the amazing content. Appreciate that. King Trench, long live history of Westeros. Thank you for all the amazing insight you provided to all of us that were introduced to this world via the show. Thank you, King Trench, a.k.a. Ben. We know you, buddy. Good to see you there. Thanks to Brooke Person as well for a super chat without a question. Matthias C., same deal. King Stork One for a very big super chat. Thank you very much. Who says, thanks for providing such a cool forum for GOT and A Song of Ice and Fire. Ashea is the best. I agree with all that. I believe Sean does as well. We do have our Facebook group for chats. We do have our Flick group for different style chats. Uh, we're on Twitter, and we will be keeping this community going on our end. Uh, it's, of course, it's not just us. Lots of other great podcasts and YouTubers and essay writers and uh, just general fandom. It's a great place to be, and it's going to keep on going. You know, there have been through my life different, like, I don't know, moments of change, waves of introduction of friends and new communities that I've joined. And this has been one of them. I have yeah. this huge new batch of people that I've become connected to through the show that I'm so appreciative for. It can be like a, a humongous part of our lives without it being an obsessive thing because it's not, it's just like the friends you make along the way. You're not necessarily talking about Game of Thrones with them 24 7. I mean, we are talking about it an awful lot right now. <laughs> the last couple of weeks has been... <laughs> yeah, the last couple of weeks is not the best example of that counter-argument there, but, but yeah. But we had a whole year break in between last season that I was still maintaining relationships with people that I met through this community. Yeah, and we and were writing scripted things. content then, and it was, yeah. it was I like to think, good stuff. <laughs> and that's what we'll be doing going forward as well. From Amber Berkshire, Super Chat, uh, no question. Thank you very much. From Pop Swallop, just want to say that I love the stream. Always insightful and fair to all points of view. Great job. Thank you. I also will give Pop Swallop a shout out. They put out a video that you can check out. Uh, it's a, a love to kind of a, a love letter to the fandom and various creators in the YouTube slash podcast community uh, done via puppet, uh, Muppet style. And uh, it's kind of odd to, in a good way, to see Muppets refer to you <laughs> by name. And uh, so when the Muppets are like, I listened to History of Westeros, I was like, hey. <laughs> So, yeah, check them out. Pop Swallop. That's Pop S-W-A-L-L-O-P. From DC, thank you for all the fun you bring to the fandom. Well, thank you, DC. We appreciate the support. Stark Direwolves, Grey Worm, plus Island, plus Poisonous Butterflies equals ha ha ha. Yeah, they even brought that up in the show. It's not like we can give them a pass because in the in book canon, there's these butterflies that apparently give you this disease that kills anyone who sticks, sticks around Nath too long, except for the locals who are immune to it. Uh... They even brought that up. But Grey Worm's going there anyway. So I'm guessing he's not going to stay very long. <laughs> he might have conferred with Sam first to get some uh, <laughs> some um, immunity to Iocane powder or whatever, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Got to build that immunity up. Yeah, get a few of those butterflies and, uh, you know, build that up. Yeah, from Chris Trombley, he says the same thing. Grey Worm going to Nate to see those butterflies. Yeah, you're going to see what's uh, what that's all about. I, I think I groaned at the screen when Grey Worm, <laughs> you know, they said, oh, set the course for Noth or like, whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, oh. It'll be a short visit. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon Durham says, John should have rode Drogon and freely gave up his throne and went north on his own accord. Yeah. I wonder if he could have tried to ride, ride Drogon, but Drogon had other plans there. Yeah. By the way, another thing I have to admit, uh, I was wrong about. I'm, I can't remember exactly what your position was on this, but I was really sure that that, 
Arya was going to check off's bow, you know? I yeah. even said it out loud during the episode when he rears back getting ready to look like he was going to breathe fire on John. I was like, here comes the bow shot. And instead, he just turns his head slightly to the left and burns the throne, which was kind of cool. Like, at first, I was like, well, that's cheesy. Why would he do that? But then I thought about it more, and I was like, nah. There's, it's clear there's a mental bond between Danny and Drogon. And even if he doesn't exactly conceptualize the deal, what's going on, if he doesn't exactly know what's happening, he knows that the Iron Throne was a source of her desire, her, like, lust or ambition for a long time. So he had to have some sort of sense of it in his mind, whatever that whatever that means in a reptile, magical reptile's head, he had some sense of it from her. And so seeing as it, you know, having it be the thing that he recognized as, as like the end of her toxic quest that destroyed someone, her, uh, it was kind of cool. I saw someone tweet that uh, Drogon is the most woke character on Game of Thrones. <laughs> He's a real progressive there. Yeah. yeah, someone else tweeted, someone else tweeted like, I had no idea this magical lizard had such a keen eye for symbolism. <laughs> I also <laughs> wanted to give them credit for, for the presentation, I guess, you know, the CGI or whatever sort of direction or art to him. I felt he had character, personality. I, I, I just felt a sort of wisdom in him. Everyone says even. he, them, yeah, them, you're right, you're right. They. I, I think of that sometimes too. That okay. it's not clear that he's that. a male or the drag is a general male. If you yeah, know. okay, yeah. just 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 okay. Go on. Thank Sean. you for correcting okay. me there. Seriously, yeah. I I I, I wonder. I, I a lot spun through my head, especially on the second watch in that moment with that stare. We even got the other stare that I was a little fixated on before, when, like <laughs> yeah. as John was kissing Danny. But uh, wondering, you know, what what goes through a dragon's mind, and what kind of intelligence do they have? Like, generally speaking, larger creatures have larger brains, have more capacity for intelligence. I even know this is really kind of minor tangent thing, but I wondered if dragons might be just in constant pain, just the growing pains, literal growing pains mm. of your bones as you grow. Think how much he's grown in such a short period of time. And I wonder how that affects your mentality. I wonder if he... That's why they're so angry all the time. Right, was following <laughs> Danny as she had led him through the city to burn things. But in the back of his mind, he might have been just like John. Like, well, I'm going to gonna follow my queen. But I don't know about this, you know? Mm. like Yeah. Um, he's probably not that conscious, but it's possible that he's he's yeah. feeling. I felt like he was feeling her anger. Like he channel, he like feels her emotion. That seems like one thing, like a dog. Like they kind of sense their master's emotions and kind yeah. of parrot that. To use another animal as a parrot, that that's kind of how I, I felt. Like she could sense his emotions, and and there was a little bit of a magic to it, more than a dog. Like there's some magic yeah, to it. Like yeah. she she can understand his commands and his her his wishes. Like she says Drakaris. And he knows exactly who she means, where that should be targeted. Yeah, you know, that's right. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> even sometimes like the context or whatever of so how he executes and Yeah, there's definitely something going on there. Uh from Sir Troy the Steady. Uh thank you for being our King's Justice for so long, Sir Troy. He says, I actually think John, Danny, Drogon, and the Iron Throne pulled off Azor Ahai, Nissa Nissa, Lightbringer, and the Darkness quite nicely there. Yeah, it was sub it was subverted from what we expected, and I do think it will be pretty significantly different in the books. But they got the they did get all those elements together in that room for that climactic moment in a way that we did not expect, even if we predicted that Dan John would kill Danny, the way all that fell came down in the same moment. Like, even if you predict that John would kill Danny, you wouldn't necessarily predict that Drogon's going to destroy the Iron Throne three seconds later. Like, that was... I don't think anyone predicted that. You yeah. know, you, you predict, maybe you predicted those things separately. Like, yeah, the Iron Throne could be destroyed, and yeah, Danny could die, and yeah, John could be the one to do it. And maybe John could die, too, but... But the way it all came together like that, yeah, that was... That was another thing that I predicted is no one would sit on the Iron Throne. I wasn't exactly sure how it would come together, how many kingdoms there would be exactly, but I yeah. kind of speculated a couple times it might only be five kingdoms. You know, I thought that was weird. 
Yeah, I thought for sure the Iron Throne would be destroyed, but I also thought that in the symbol of the Seven Kingdoms being destroyed, that no one would be ruling the majority of the kingdoms. Yeah. yeah. Technically, no one ruled the Seven Kingdoms. You know, like I was right and wrong there. Yeah, we kind of, I would admit that we kind of got that wrong, at least from my perspective, because I said, I thought that it would either be the Iron Throne not destroyed and thing, you know, like a new king or whatever, or it would be destroyed and they would all, and they would go to independence. Like that would be, but I didn't, I didn't really consider no throne, but still a contiguous seven kingdoms. Well, six. It's mostly still some contiguous. kingdoms. Yeah, yeah, mostly the same, but somewhat different. You got to wonder too if maybe generations down the line the North will join, just like Dorne did. Once Sansa yeah. and the mm. current generation of Northmen who made these sacrifices, it's well, especially they're rebuilding, right? Like, right, yeah, right, right. So once they're do, rebuilt, yeah. and once they even see the value of joining the rest of the kingdom, um, the, the how well the quote unquote democratic system is working. I also want to point out the. The idea of the throne being like the one ring, it being destroyed, just like the ring was destroyed. With with extreme Another, fire and heat. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, melting and there's like the small Literal rings. lava they're showing us pour down yeah. the steps. Yeah, that know. was cool. They, they, I think they were – it seems not unlikely that that's what they were going for. And uh, yeah, then – and it kind of – another circle that was completed in that scene with Danny and John, the final moment, is – the kind of completion of her vision. Shout out to Kim Renfro of Insider, who's really good at connecting these dots. And when she's in the House of the Undying vision, she reaches for the throne and then hears the, she's distracted. She hears the dragons calling to her and she diverts and walks off to the other side and has that scene with Drogo and the child in the tent. That is why she and then she completes that she actually finishes reaching out and touches the sword the, the little hilt of that sword sticking out of the throne there so it's kind of like a and it's shot from the same angle too like it's just like the cameras from the behind and right of the throne so it was like kind of visual storytelling come full circle which is kind of I, I often miss that not not just because that scene was literally six years ago but <laughs> by the way there's another sort of <clears throat> visual storytelling parallel uh, Arya at the end of season four sailed off, like left home to sail east. Yeah. And then here leaves home to sail west. That's a good point. Yeah, right on. Not looking back, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> so I asked Ashea to grab this one kind of iconic, what will probably be kind of iconic shot, unless you're a Danny fan, in which case it will be uh, Abomination, <laughs> which is the shot of John grieving over what he's just done with the Iron Throne behind. And it's kind of just pretty poignant you know this is what this throne has done <laughs> to them all in a way and there's snow falling on it and all that so it's uh pretty powerful i imagine there'll be a lot of uh, use of that image or similar ones going forward but to back up to what came before this she arrests Tyrion. we talked about that and it may be a little weird that john was given a chance to speak to Tyrion under those circumstances but oh well um, not too strange, I suppose. It was still very chaotic at that point. It's not like she had established her new court and all that. She hadn't even sat down on the throne yet. So it's not like everything is all orderly and, and uh, organized and all that. Um, and this was a good speech. Um, they got their love versus – our conversation wasn't really a speech. I guess they kind of both had speeches. Tyrion kind of had a speech there, whatever. Love versus duty, duty versus love. Love is the death of duty. Duty is the death of love. Very good. The way they tied that all back together with Maester Aemon. I mean, it needed to be convincing to get John to do it. And I think it was. Like, you know, as far as the writing, you know, I criti- plenty of all criticized about the writing. But in that scene, well, the writing was good. I thought they, the John, Tyrion's speech was, was compelling. To John? Well, yeah. 
really disagree. Okay. Um, and uh, we'll talk about it more on Wednesday. Okay, we will. I'd have to say it here, though. <laughs> what did you think, Sean? I, I, for the most part, liked it. Other than, like I said, I thought it was really rushed. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I definitely. feel like it should have been a series of conversations. There uh, should have been, like, more, rather than John, I could go on and on, man. I could, rather than John just going to her the next scene, having one conversation, deciding to kill her, I, I feel like it could have been, like, a series of conversations, a series of decisions she keeps yeah. to make that he keeps being frustrated by that finally he's driven to it. Um, there's, there's one I think, part about it that I really didn't like that I should clarify. I really didn't like the, the reference to first they came for. That was yeah. that was they should not have. That's what I was going to talk about. Yeah. On okay, uh, you're right. That I, I that slipped my mind yeah. briefly, but that was really um, bad. They should not have done that. That's that's so. you should not refer to the Holocaust that way. That's really yeah. gross. I, I also um, like saw that complaint, and it's I don't have any kind of personal connection to it. So I'm hesitant. To yeah, you don't. Hard, so you don't. You don't get but, to complain um, much or say much. But I like people who are Jewish feel strongly, yeah, like myself included. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm I, I and easily can see Booth how people Quentin would be bothered is, by it. Yeah, but, yeah. And, I try to pay uh, more yeah. attention to Second Watch. and uh, Again, it's it wouldn't really have brief. occurred to me if it's it wasn't brief. brought up to me. Yeah, so, well, people yeah. use that that line in, in a lot of other contexts now, so it's easy to kind of yeah. maybe not forget, but to not realize what they're referring to. You know, yeah, kind of, Well, part of my thought was, and maybe I'm just trying to like make peace or find middle ground, but... It was worded differently. He said, when she did, da 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 not first they did it. Like, I think they could have made it more direct parallel if they wanted to. And I, I want to believe they were careful to, to not cross that line. But obviously, to some people, they did anyway. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a lot of, a lot of strong reactions to that. And yeah, I wouldn't argue against and that. And they also, you could see they were making these parallels, like to the way the unsolder lined up looked like Nazi troops, that flag, that Targaryen flag. Oh, yeah. It's like a Nazi flag. It was overwhelming. Yeah. 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 It was, it was, it was, it was over the top. Yeah. <laughs> but you can kind of, they're trying to make it clear to the audience that Danny is definitely gone too far while yeah. not making it as clear to the characters. That's why you brought up the, they couldn't understand what she was saying mm-hmm. to the Dothraki and the Unsullied. It's, it's much clearer to the audience. And of course we see the, that amazing shot of the dragon wings behind her, which is like, whoa, that was like really powerful. But like the characters don't see that. That's for us. That's for the viewer to see. So we're sold on this, but John, it's supposed to be conflicting for John. And yeah, and it, and well, it was. <laughs> so I imagine, by the way, also extra hard for a Danny fan to watch her get oh, yeah. compared to Hitler. Yeah, yeah, like so. why? Like that's all. Yeah, it's terrible for someone like Ugh. that. Like why would you? You don't want to see that. Um, even if, even if it's done well in the books, I mean, I expect it will be. It, it's not going to be Nazi imagery. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like what? <laughs> um, so let's see. Moving on. Like you said, it was, there was a time jump. You kind of, kind of expected that and uh, it made sense to do. It was kind of a good thing given that so much was rushed. At least they had this time play out. They had their, so let's, let's talk about this great ish council. Maybe kind of a, a little too small to be great. I think <laughs> I was wondering who all those people were. Stephanie V asked, who was the guy next to Sam in the dragon pits? We, 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 we were trying to figure that out, but we had no idea. No idea who that guy was. Some sort of Lord of the Reach, um, lower Lord of the Reach, uh, I guess. It doesn't, it's not clear. Like if Braun was already Lord at that point, maybe he should have been there, but he wasn't there till this later scene. So I don't know. I don't know what they were doing there. Um, I think they were just supposed to give us a, 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 a sea of people we recognize with a few new faces in it to sort of represent, Hey, these are lords who are weighing in here. Um, I don't think there's a whole lot you can say about it. Uh, at least nothing interesting. <laughs> and, but Alice Karstark was there, which is funny because we were like, oh, she must be dead. 
because she was next to Theon in the in the Godswood during the battle, and then she wasn't, so we assumed she died. But then we found out she wasn't dead, and here she is again, popping up, uh, sitting at the council, saying nothing. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so that's odd. All right. Thank you to our Blood Rider patrons who would probably go a little farther in avenging our deaths than <laughs> the Blood Riders on the show did for Danny. Vorsaki, wielder of a Valyrian steel arak with a dragonbone hilt. Kohel Koei, called Sunpiercer, wielder of a dragonbone bow and one of our Facebook mods. Thank you very much. And Kokavo the Tamer, wielder of the wildfire hip, hip, wildfire whip, Gehenna. Wildfire hip doesn't sound like a good idea. <laughs> Mm. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, maybe I'll think that through a little more. And for our Queens of Love and Beauty, Aaron, Lady of the Long Desert, names Emma of Starfall, the Queen of Love and Beauty, in sight of pods and men. And from the depths of Flea Bottom, Lord Ken of House Hammer has declared for Queen Kari, Fire of the North, who recovered Dark Sister from Beyond the Wall. Right on. Well played there with that rescue of Dark Sister from Beyond the Wall. And I want to remind you all that. If you are feeling a bit deprived with the show over, well, this is there is no better time than to get the books and do a reread or a first read if you haven't read all of them, whether that is the main series or Fire and Blood or Princess and the Queen, The Rogue Prince, The World of Ice and Fire, The Knight of Seven Kingdoms. All of those top titles are available on Audible as well as through Amazon. And you can get them through historyofwesteros.com. Support the show by doing so. If you go with Audible, you can get two free downloads uh, for just the cost of nothing, taking a trial subscription. If you like the trial, keep it, keep the subscription, and keep those downloads either way. You could get, you could use those two free downloads to get Fire and Blood, or our book, The Thrones Effect, that we did with other YouTubers, or any of the books that I just listed. So, go for it, folks. Valar Rereadus, Valar Relistenus, whatever floats your boat. One of the you have something to say here? I just have a couple points that I want to hit up. I don't. I was waiting for the right moment of context. But. Cool. I was gonna. I was gonna move on to Brienne, but if you had something you wanted to say before Brienne, Brienne's kind of a standalone topic at this point. So, whatever order we want to do it. Well, with sort of a an an overall commentary on how the show's been presented recently. Sure. And I've been kind of stewing on how long it's been this way. But for example, going back to the end of season seven, we got that extended. I don't know if montage is quite the right word, but that extended series of sequences as Danny arrives in Dragonstone with all her armies. Yeah. But there was no dialogue. I even kind of poked fun at it a little bit, the idea that they would go through all this and no one ever says anything. You know, like uh, <laughs> about how long the walk is. We sent scouts ahead. My feet hurt. Nothing. You know, like until finally, I think finally at the end, Danny, when it gets to the painted table, painted table, is that what it's called? Mm -hmm. Danny yeah. says, like, shall we begin or something like that. But it was probably three or minutes or at least of no dialogue, just imagery. Started this episode off like that again. That whole sequence oh, yeah, of Tyrion walking, walking through, through and, and then closed the same way. And I started to think there's been a lot of that, a lot of series of imagery without any dialogue. And I don't necessarily want that to be a negative thing because it is part of filmmaking, right? You get imagery, you get to use yeah. music, you get to use editing to present stuff, you know. But also, wish there was a lot more dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe there wasn't because they weren't able to write Tyrion as well. Mm. You know, the, so two sided coin. The our sellsword captain Hema Helminth wondered if maybe the Tyrion's walk was at all a, a parallel to Cersei's walk of shame, kind of in an inverse way. That he's not being punished, but he is 
feeling super guilty for his role in all that. And yeah. it's, 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 he feels ashamed. He's being put on display, presented yeah. for ridicule. And he, and he intentionally walked alone. That's a big part of it that I think kind of makes the connection a little tighter is that he's like, no, they're like, it's dangerous. And he's like, I'm going alone. Partly because he's so racked with guilt that whatever happens to him, he might feel like he deserves it. You know, it's a little more clear later when he talks about. Varus's ashes can tell my ashes. Yeah. He told you so, you know. Yeah. You might imagine that's more that is going through his head. It, yeah. He, if he had been there, he might have imagined someone walking behind him with the bell. Yeah. Now, Cersei, shame. of course, doesn't feel like she deserved any of that, whereas Tyrion is yeah. like, he may as well be like self-flagellating there yeah. as he's walking through the streets. But yeah, that's a, that's a decent parallel there. Yeah, let's talk about Brienne for a minute. That's uh, she got new armor. That's cool. It's a detail that, you, that people could miss. That it's the same style as the old school Kingsguard armor from the original season and and following seasons. But this has a raven yeah, carved yeah, into it. I like that mm-hmm. instead of the stag. I, I presume it was. And the book, the white book. Of course, we'll have more to say about this in the book to show because the deep white book, you know, cuts are very uh, well. There's those are deep cuts. Period. Yeah, uh, there's some. We would take a look, close look at some of those pages, but uh, this was a good scene. Um, Brienne got to Gwendolyn Christie got to do some more uh, solo acting, which is always tough. But a lot of these actors in the show do a great job with it. And boy, her handwriting is good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was like amazed. Like, damn, that is some good handwriting. <laughs> and of course, it's so meme worthy. The, the memes of her writing what Jamie, you know, like. He kept hitting me with his, he kept spanking me with his golden hand. It was weird. (laughs) (laughs) So many just jokes about that and related topics. I remember when we were watching the episode, someone was like, best dick I ever got. (laughs) Only dick I ever got. Really knew how to wield a sword. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, the jokes just write themselves there. um, And uh, why wouldn't they? So. Do you have anything to say about that moment? Um, were you surprised to see Brienne become Lord Commander of the Kingsguard, Queensguard? A little bit, just because I thought she would stick with Sansa, but yeah, also, I, no, I don't think it's problematic. I think it's fine for her to have fulfilled her obligations and for yeah. her, the Stark daughters are safe. Sansa wanted right? to choose a Northerner to protect her. Yeah, and have it, and it kind of gives a representative. It gives the Starks some say. Gives some agency to the North by having there on the King's Council. You know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's, that's a good point. And maybe her, her defensive Arya and Sansa could extend to Bran. So I, I think yeah. it's fine. I think it's okay. Good. Um, so, yeah, why don't we talk about Sansa for a second then? Um, she, like I said at the beginning... Because the second's not long enough, that's <laughs> why. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. We're talking about Sansa longer than that. She has this awesome dress, the weirwood leaves, super cool, really loved it. There was a brief moment of, like, she getting married here? You know, mm-hmm. where we're like, I don't know, like, to who? Like, that would be random. On the other hand, that Robert Aaron you know, like, pointing out <laughs> that he looked a lot more handsome. And like, that would have been... F- She's like, actually, now I'll marry you. <laughs> But no, he's probably still kind of a putz, the character. (laughs) Not the actor. He seems like a fine, put-together gentleman, (laughs) young man. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so that was nice. I kind of laughed that Sansa was saying, of course, I don't mean this is a real criticism, but it's funny that she's saying, and the North will never kneel again. And as she's just being crowned, everyone's kneeling. Kneeling down to her. (laughs) (laughs) What she meant was they won't kneel to anyone outside of the North. (laughs) She will never kneel again. Yeah. And so that was cool, like big, big, like un, un, unmitigated win for Sansa and the Starks there in that. And again, another, I'm going to say, like 
I'm saying, in, in just a minute ago, I said it's not a win to take the throne. Yeah. But in this case, I think it is because but it's, a win for her people. Yes, that's right. What I mean, Maybe yes. not for her, but a win for her family, a yeah. win for her people. And also, I'm going to give credit to her making this move to get this win. Uh, it, it, even if it was uh, maybe slightly unrealistic presentation, we should have had more of this play out. It would have been neat to see what's going on in Sansa's mind leading up to this, wondering if she would get away with this, deciding to do it at this key moment, what seed she had to lay with other people to get it to be yeah. agreed to. There's so much more. I wish we could have seen how this has developed. But she made that decision at that council to make a stand for the North, and I want to give her credit for that. You know, yeah. Um, and I also want to point out the last word spoken on the Game of Thrones series were the Queen in the North. The yeah. Queen in the North. Yeah, that's true. And the last, like, dialogue was, I once brought a bra- a jackal... <laughs> honeycomb. <laughs> honeycomb in a, into a brothel. But we still didn't get the answer to that, the punchline to that joke. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> All right, so some more questions here. Uh, actually, I skipped one point here I wanted to get to. Arya going west. That was definitely foreshadowed. We caught that. It's somewhat foreshadowed in the books in different ways. Her, you know, we'll get into more of that on, on Wednesday. A lot of, uh, Bravos feels there, though, is very related. And it's cool to see her, you know, getting that all together and the mont, as part of the montage, it was nice, although it is a very dangerous quest. So that part of it's kind of like scary yeah, for her, yeah. but. It was nice to see that, and um, yeah, from a book reader's perspective, it, it tied together uh, the foreshadowing that we thought we were seeing, so that was nice. From Stefan, how can all the other kingdoms be okay with the North getting independence? Surely, at least the Greyjoys and Dorn object. Okay, I don't disagree, but we don't have to assume that their place to object would be at this great council. The gr- Yara objecting that... Okay, that I can kind of agree with. Maybe maybe she just didn't want to go against everybody. She could see that she's the only one here that's like yeah. against this new thing. So she may as well go along with it. And then later she can do whatever she wants. It's like it's not it words are wind. Yeah. And again, <laughs> it is another thing to think about. You know, so many details of this was was rushed, but just it's one reason ballots are secret. You know, if you're gonna vote and and let's say there's ten people gonna vote and three people dissent and you you get I, 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 nay, I, 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 what are those last three people are going to have a hard time? Like, okay, I just will go flow, go with the flow here. Yeah. You know? uh, and we just don't know these characters either. Like this new Prince of Dorne, for all we know, he's a coward. <laughs> yeah. For all we know, or for all we know, it's the opposite. He's really ambitious. Or a and his goal, or he, might been, yeah. he might have been picked by Grey Worm. You yeah. Know? Like, he's, he could be, he could, his, his goals could mean getting closer to the throne, which would mean independence is not. Like we, there's a yeah. lot of possibilities that don't involve claiming independence at the Great Council. There's something to be said for independence, but there's also something to be said for unity. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Uh, it's not so, necessarily what they want. Yeah. Right. So I can see how those other nations, like based on like the wine trade Dorne had, like let's stay and not have new tariffs imposed, or you know, yeah, good so point. So many Whereas things. The Iron Islands are like, well, if we break free, we can start raiding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but we might also bring the wrath of the other nations against us. Absolutely. So maybe we should start raiding. That was part of my promise to Danny. But right? they're also, so, yeah, you're, that's a good point. But also, they're culturally apart. Like the Ironborn are culturally separate from a lot of the rest of the Seven Kingdoms, and Dorne is too. Yeah. But you could say, but that doesn't mean... But as, as is you, the North. As is the North, yeah. yes. Yeah. That's that's why these are the examples being listed, I think. And that's that's <laughs> a good a good framing of the question by Stefan here as he's pointing to the, the regions that are the most culturally separate. But as we've said, 
it's, it can be a waiting game. You can see we don't know these characters. All, right. You can see yeah. reasons all around why it might have happened this way, and we wish they got explained better. You can also see reasons all around why it might fall apart in the coming months or years. Yeah, I mean, Tyrion even said that. He's like, check back if it was in 10 years. I don't know if this was <laughs> the right call. Like, they yeah. still, even though, like, we're, we're, we're looking at it as like, okay, elective monarchy is better than hereditary monarchy. You know, it's a long way from democracy, but it's, it's a step. And, but even they weren't sure because yeah. they, it's, un, it's not, it's untread ground. It was one of the things that Danny said that kind of scared John because of the context. She said it. It's true. It's, it's not scary in this context, which is it's hard to imagine a thing that's never been right. And they're trying to imagine this new system and it's hard to imagine it because, well, it's such a complicated, big, far reaching thing and they don't know how it's going to work. And you're not going to know how it's going to work even after just a few months or even just a year, even democratic states, you know, like, you know, the path, the history of democracies, it didn't start off with everyone gets to vote. It still yeah. was like the elite like senators, Athenian, the wealthy uh, landowners, landowners men, yeah. even in America, which, you know, maybe ostensibly a model for democracy. So that's slavery, like for a hundred freaking years. Yeah, women the, couldn't vote till like what, 19, And, and when we got rid of slavery, like there, now everything, no, we still had institutionalized racism. We still had institutionalized sexism, yep. even under democracy. And, yeah. and even when the democracy got more expansive, we still had all these social issues. It wasn't like it just suddenly yeah. fixed everything. So we gotta, we gotta believe that they're, they're not gonna suddenly set up the exact correct government. And even if they did, they're still gonna be flawed. Whatever we even think the exact correct government is. And that's part of the way they sold it to the audience is Danny yeah. saying, Oh, I'll just topple these governments and, and, you know, take out these tyrants and then set up good. It's like, no, you can't just do that. It doesn't work that way. You can't yeah. just, it's not never that easy. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Uh, okay, more questions. Gabriela Sanchez, how can the South have something to say about the wall and send their prisoners there, i.e. John, if it belongs to another kingdom, another state? Said into me into modern terms, it isn't logic. Get your own prisons, you lazy MFers. <laughs> <laughs> well, the wall predates yeah. the seven kingdoms being together. Yes. So yeah. this is a, this is an old tradition. It's it's book canon. It ha- even when the kingdoms were separate, this is how they operated. They kind of agreed to send their prisoners north, and it's an interesting subtopic that the wall started to decline when the unification came because there were no longer as many infighting between the kingdoms. And thus, because whenever there was infighting between two kingdoms, the losing side, a lot of people would be sent to the wall. But the king's peace sort of wrecked recruitment for the Night's Watch in a lot of ways. There's still criminals going there. And that's what John sees when he goes there. He's told it's a mixture of criminals and lords and nobles and all that. But really, it's just, for the most part, just the criminals. It's, it's It's a, you know... Nine to one ratio, not a five to five ratio. Right. And it's because this is part of why there's no longer as many prisoners of war being sent. Like the exception is someone like Alistair Thorne, who's super bitter about it all. That's part of why he hates John is that his, that John's father was on the winning side of that war yeah. that got Alistair Thorne sent to the wall in the first place. So yeah. Uh, so it is a little odd, you know, in a vacuum to wonder how they could all agree to this, but it's been in place for a long time. Like Nymeria, when she conquered Dorne, took, sent six kings to the wall in golden fetters and that's just that's the most epic the wall's ever gotten as far as prisoners arriving but that just goes to show even these kings were sent there like normally you can't send a king out into the world to give them a chance to like work their magic and get followers again and come back and try and try to take your, their seat back you usually got to make sure they're dead or gone but Wall counted. Wall but the wall enough. counted. Yeah. People, people trusted it. I guess it was an, it was an agreed upon thing that people honored often enough. So it does seem a little odd, but it's been in place for a long time. People agreed to it. And I guess that's that. But I do, I do think they should get their own presence. 
those lazy MFers. <laughs> Gabrielle is right about that. <laughs> Meredith Glassberg says, an observation about Sansa's costumes. The one she started off the episode with felt like a nod to the Night's Watch, and the last one she was crowned in is a nod to the Old Gods. Yeah, I guess that's true. It was black and very severe and, and powerful, um, but then, but it wasn't necessarily uh, northern in the, that sense. You know, it was more, I don't know if it was any region. I, I, you could say Night's Watch because it was all black. It almost looked, it could have looked Targaryen if Danny wore it. Like it put a little red on it. <laughs> a little tangent here, but something else about this that lingers in my mind is that we kind of get distracted by these epic events. You know, the Drogon burning the throne, the idea that John killed Danny, this, this time jump and this decision about democracy. But man, tens of thousands of people were still just killed, both at King's Landing and in the North. People should be wearing black. They should still be in mourning. You know, these are trying yeah. times. Mm-hmm. Think how many people are going through PTSD right now. Think of the, the loss that has been suffered. There's probably still people starving, orphans. It's, it's, you know, we're kind of getting the, the, the hope for these named characters and these lords, but the average people are suffering still. Yeah. From Rebecca Santa, like me, do you want to hear the true opinions of the actors about the show's ending? Now that it's over, do you think they'll start spilling their guts? I kind of doubt they will. They'll say more than they did, but I kind of doubt we'll ever get like the true dirt. Um, it's just kind of like that's that's the kind of thing that if an actor really spills the dirt on a director or producer, it it it, it makes it harder for them to get hired by another director. Their or agent producer. will be putting out fires. Yeah, you know, they won't get as high a salary next time if they even get this certain job they wanted. Yeah, you know. yeah. Unfortunately, they still have to play politics even after it's over. So it's still going to have to be reading between the lines and reading their faces and things like that if we really want to know. <laughs> from Venetia Silva, hello from Brazil. Well, hello from Roswell, Georgia. Right back to you, Venetia Silva. From Jorge QS, or sorry, Jorge OS, would having the Fagon character introduced in season five make the show end journey cleaner, or was it smart to simplify the many plot threads? That's a tough question. I think it would have made some things work better, but other things would have just really been confusing to a lot of the show watchers. Like, where is this guy coming from? Um, they would have had to set it up a lot more. It is pretty well set up in the books, even if it's some people were taken surprised by. It, but then when you look back, the foreshadowing was there for it. A lot of it is. If they were going to have another season or ten episodes these last two, yeah. then maybe. But they they can't start introducing new storylines. They're clearly paring things down ever since the Sept. You know. Yeah, but I do think I would have, like you said, I would have liked it. But yeah, no, I think given that they had to cut stuff, I don't hate that they cut that. Um, but I'm glad that the way the show played out. It proved to a lot of people that it was an important plot line. A lot of people thought it was cut because it was unimportant, but that, I think that theory is now quite dead because I think it shows all the, the problems they had folding that plot in and the, the way it can impact Daenerys's arc. As in, you know, maybe she's blamed for destroying King's Landing. Maybe it's, it's, it's young Griff slash Fagon at King's Landing in this spot instead of Cersei. And there's a lot of ways for the, you know, King's Landing to turn against her. And of course, there's a lot of evidence that Tyrion could be the one to really push her to do give to, to level a King's Landing in the books, which would change a whole lot of people's perspective. So anyway, that's all for another t- another day, because these are topics that are pretty off this original question here. But it's worth exploring. The uh, something we're going to be getting into quite a lot is is after the season here. Now that it's over, is looking at some of these plot lines and seeing what they've told us and. Uh, seeing how important they are. Because now that we can see the whole thing, we can see what we were missing by not having them. And that's the thing we didn't have a full picture of before. Did I see a note in there earlier, Shea, that, that Rita of the Cobra Main and her parents are watching this right now? Yeah. Just want to give a shout out to them. 
Right on. Hey, yeah, Rita, and, Rita and folks. <laughs> also from Thomas Pappas to the best in the biz. Thank you, Tommy. We appreciate it. From uh, Blue Duck Umber. Please tell me I'm wrong. Was Kit Harrington wearing a wig after he was imprisoned? You guys are amazing for what you do. Just so you know, 2nd Battalion, 2nd Marine, Scout, Sniper Platoon are all huge fans of you guys. Hoo-ah! Well, thank you very much. Yeah, hoo-ah. Thank you very much, guys. That's awesome to hear. We appreciate that. And I never, I honestly do not have an answer for you here. I don't know if he was wearing a wig. His hair was longer. Yeah, you should know. That's in the books. It's tradition. <laughs> when they put someone in prison in King's Landing, they put a wig on him. <laughs> <laughs> How did I forget? How did I forget? I wouldn't be surprised, though, because um, it might have been that it was just his hair, but a little disheveled. But I, they were trying to show time pass, that the beards were longer. Both both uh, Peter and Kit's beards were a little longer. I wondered, um, Peter Dinklage, if that was not a real beard. I, I think that they like put prosthetic beard, I don't know if that's a word, over his real beard to make it look longer and fuller. Because I kind of know how beards work as far as coming in your cheeks and stuff <laughs> like that. a little that. experience with that, huh? Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's not just like how long it gets or where it grows in. Who knows how he grooms it? It's another thing I like to nitpick a lot, e- even more so in Westerns, because I can imagine these lords and ladies probably do some grooming before they head out for the day. But in cowboy movies, like I could just, I know the types of things you have to do to trim your beard and mustache. They would be a mess. And everyone always has these perfect little handlebar mustaches yep, in true. the movies. And like, it's true. Beards not realistic and- when you're out there in the countryside and wilderness without a mirror or running water. That's something Hollywood does all the time. Making yeah. pr- people handsomer, prettier, better teeth, better beards, better hair. <laughs> it's, and it, to be fair, part of the reason for it, it's similar to wearing you know, not wearing helmets. It's the image is part of the the recognition of the character, and uh, it's also you when you might have to film on different days at different times at different people. You need the costume to, and makeup. They just have to make it be the same every time. Yeah, yeah. So even if they want to make it look a little more natural or scruffy, how do you get it to that same natural scruffy state when you have to film a different scene from a different angle two weeks later? Or they they just have to make it be uh, recreatable. Okay, right on. Also want to give a shout out to our uh, new sponsor we have, and they have this really excellent w- pitch here that's worded in a way that you all will appreciate. Sleep Six mattresses are mattresses so comfortable that had Brienne owned one, Jamie would have never left Winterfell. <laughs> <laughs> See, they the good. It's a good start to this ad, isn't it? Did you know you spend one third of your life in bed? It's time you started doing it right. Sleep Six offers a 100 nights watch, uh, just night risk free. 100 night risk free trial, not nights watch. No nights watch will come join <laughs> your bed while you're sleeping, unless you want them to. Free expedited delivery, a 10 year warranty, and every bed comes with uh, the guarantee that you will dream of spring. Enter the code GOT and get $200 off any site. That's Sleep Six mattresses, sleep cool and supported a lot more. Go to sleepsix.com and again, enter that code GOT, $200 off any size mattress. That is a good deal. Okay. From Scott Burleson, R plus L equals J was meaningless. How did it matter in the end? I, I definitely can't agree that it was meaningless. It didn't amount to as much as maybe people thought it would, but... Keep in mind, it drove a lot of Ned's story from the very beginning. It affected his relationship with his family. It affected his relationship with the king. It affected a lot. The trickle-down effects of R plus L equals J are, are apparent from the first chapter. What about what do they mean to you, Sean? As someone who hasn't read the books fully, there, of course, a lot of the R plus L equals J equals stuff is there in the first book. That's the majority yeah. of the evidence is there. There is still. A bit of, in the first season of the show, they hint at it a few times, although right. it kind of dries up for a while. Yeah. But 
And and that's one of my thoughts is it'll probably matter more in the books. It's going to play out differently. A lot of this stuff will have different meanings and implications. But another thing I think that the show is doing, for better or worse, is that they're making homage to the books or getting stuff on screen for the fans. You know, if you flash forward 10 years, a lot of the stuff they did in the books and the show will be different. It'll happen in a different order or there'll be different motivations. Cause and effect will be switched around. But we will still, I think, we'll be thankful for some of the imagery that we've gotten, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Even if it has a different meaning in the books, there'll still be these these moments, these structures, these characters these that, that we'll have imagery for. Along the same line, there'll be some of these some of these thoughts and images, I, I can just imagine D&D wanted to, like, get this mystery out there, right? Even if yeah. they don't sum it up correctly. I knew I, uh, something you asked me early on when I first started watching the show. You asked me, and I was like, I was constantly picking your brain. And you and other people around me who were lovers of the books were careful to tell me about the history of things. You guys could tell me all about Robert's Rebellion without telling me that Ned was going to get killed, you know, think right? And yeah. and I would pick your brains. I'd want to know more about the context and the history. And at one point, you asked me a question. You said, does it make sense for Ned to have a bastard? <laughs> that really kind of stirred me up and made me look for it, you know. And I can imagine D&D also have this, and, and other people involved with the creation of the show, they, they, they're familiar with this mystery. They're familiar with these clues and they wanted to tease us with it, whether us is the book readers or people new to the show, maybe curious what they would get. And they have to be careful not to slam it in our faces too hard in the beginning. Um, but they needed to drop the hints at it. And especially when they're tying up at the end and not sure how George is going to tie it together. The mystery's still there. They want to address it. They want to bring it, even if they don't find the right way for it to matter in the end. Yeah. I still think it's good for them to bring it to the forefront because it is going to matter in the end. Yeah. Right? And then there's other ways it mattered as well in terms of the way the, the it, it divided them. It uh, caused conflict between them and it was a part of the engine uh, for brand to maybe do yeah. some manipulating to ha- have the end game come out the way it did. It's and- one of the things I still spin in my mind kind of going through different if then scenarios why it was a brand like how much difference did it make because part of me feels like it made things worse for brand to to reveal this mm-hmm. but maybe it had to get worse before it gets better i i, I maybe certain yeah. things were inevitable anyway and of course in the books there's other factors too like the ability to ride a dragon that's yeah that's they just right. kind of hand wave that here they didn't they didn't bother to make that a thing i don't mind that too much i wish they had but it's not not high on the list of complaints of things that got cut but that's obviously really big in the books that that uh your blood it's not entirely clear how much it matters but it matters it's not necessarily the be all end all but it's it's important all right next question from tracy metherell the animals are very important to this saga i broke down when drogon was mourning his mommy and she shed and she shed tears of joy when ghost finally got his pets yes that was awesome i loved seeing that as it was very sad but yeah, yeah. it's weird for me actually honestly because Daenerys and Drogon just killed so many people. Yeah, but you're so still like many so people. sad. It's and like, yet, during the scene with Drogon, you know, coming up to Daenerys, like I'm, right now, I'm starting to cry. Like, just thinking, gets, about, just it. thinking about it, it just gets me going so much. It's, despite it's, knowing logically, like these two are killers. It's something <laughs> that we all can kind of understand, like on a me- very meta, like uh, not meta even, just a very basic primal level, like love your mother you know and everyone 
gets that concept, even if they didn't necessarily have a great relationship with their mother, that concept is out there everywhere that it's important, that that relationship is important and it's defining and it's true for animals. And so, so it's this thing that we have in common with the animal kingdom, even even big killer reptiles that, yeah, we can all sympathize with that. That's tough. It's, it's, it's pretty well done. Pretty well done in that guy, in that sense. And they did it too with the Jorah thing. Like it wasn't even the first time. They're like, hey, that worked. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get him with that again. <laughs> Drogon can emote way more than y'all thought he could. <laughs> um, from C. Clabina, I wish we had more Arya Yara dialogue. Yeah, they have the same four letters in their name. They really could. <laughs> That's what I, they really sh- 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 talk about my brother one more time and I'm going to. Steal your letters. <laughs> it's definitely an example of being rushed, not having as much dialogue. Yeah, uh, that they could have been. Uh, they could have had a lot to say to each other. There could have been a nice subplot there. The whole. I, I forgot another big thing that I wanted to bring up. It's okay, something that our friend Rudy brought up that Danny didn't really betray any of her Westeros allies. And pretty much all of her Westeros allies betrayed her. Yeah, isn't that weird? In a, in yeah. a, in a sense, yeah, it's funny. I wish I brought that up in context of other stuff earlier, but yeah. I definitely wanted to bring that up. I think it's very interesting. To you think could argue about. she betrayed the peasants of Westeros. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I would. I would argue that yeah. for sure. Like you, maybe but you yeah. could argue that she betrayed Tyrion. You know, Tyrion made her promise. Maybe so like, they hey, betrayed when each I, other. When sure. I ring the bells. You know, they've surrendered. Please don't kill the common folk. But she never promised. Right. She didn't she exactly kind of promise. She, she like, indicated. You know, indicated. you know, she nodded. It you wasn't know. a promise. It was, and, yeah. But, like, John didn't promise that he went and tell Sansa. You he know? flat like, out didn't agree at all. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Danny, Danny didn't press him to promise, and he definitely didn't promise, but she still felt betrayed yeah, by it. So it, may, it. Yeah. And maybe she was. But then John also stabbed her in the freaking heart, man. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, and I think that's a big part of the story, right? Like, when, this, when we get the fuller version of the story, the slow burn of everyone betraying her, everyone turning on her, is if, that, if that's what happens, and I yeah. can see that playing out, that will be a lot more compelling. Also, However much she betrayed Tyrion, Tyrion betrayed her first. Tyrion yeah. let Jaime go. Yeah. Right? Tyrion yeah. let Jaime go. So You're right. That's true. And now, again, there was, there was it betrayal on both sides. Just because Tyrion let Jaime go doesn't mean it's okay for Danny to burn a bunch of innocent people. Right. Yeah, but it's not, not that ex- simple either. There's yeah. more to it. That you can- one doesn't excuse the other. You're totally right. Yeah. Uh, Marley, love and appreciate all the wonderful content and the kitties. Well, thank you very much, Marley. The, the kitties have been very well behaved today. They're all, looks like they're all sleeping. Sometimes they're romping during the streams and we try to grab them. And, but today, nothing but peace for now, for now. <laughs> that never lasts. Uh, okay. So there's, yeah. So we, we mentioned that there was no Aria bow. I wanted to maybe get, mention a couple things we were wrong about. Uh, I was pretty sure about that, but boy, nope. That went nowhere. Um, we were hoping for the reads. We weren't exactly predicting that. We were hoping that. We mentioned that. I don't need to cover that. Didn't happen. Oh, well. We were maybe hoping there was an impact of Varys's letters. That seemed like it would matter, but Not it even didn't mentioned. even a little, which I'm a little yeah. disappointed at that because it didn't come up <laughs> at the council. Now, it makes sense because they skipped time that the people who were in her favor, they weren't like super gung-ho Danny. They hadn't had time to like meet her and decide she was the right queen they just got these letters and were like oh john's the real heir and the next thing they know john isn't an option anymore because of the compromise and him killing danny so yeah i don't know what those lords would do in that spot like oh danny oh john oh neither all right well what 
what do I do? I go and vote in this great council? I mean, I'm telling you, I want that last episode to be a whole season. I'm telling you, I want to <laughs> yeah, see yeah. each lord receive the letter, <laughs> confer with their own advisors, write letters back, and yeah, etc. Uh, <laughs> okay. Oh, I would love that. So yeah. many people would hate it so, so much. <laughs> <laughs> it might be boring TV to a lot of people, I guess, but uh, hopefully it'll I'd at least be, be in the books, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> realistically, with how they've been going. I don't know that I would have been riveted by this, <laughs> but if that was the case, I give them a shot. Brian Cogman writing the whole season. Oh yeah, yeah, give me that. Yeah. Give me that. Imagine yeah. if there were like a series of these council meetings with all these lords from the lands. You know, yeah. So a couple, a couple of minor, uh, small plot points here that are, are fun or interesting. Uh, Sam presenting a song of ice and fire to Tyrion was that was very cool. Uh, I like that. The art was uh, familiar to the actual art used in a song of ice and fire. And um, I loved that they referred to Sam helping with the title because that guy, Ebros, was really bad with titles. You know, was like, yeah. I love that scene. It was like, the title's really boring, man. <laughs> that was really good. Obviously, Ebros was, you know, Jim Broadbent, who we yeah. met in previous seasons. If that name didn't ring a bell just for everyone. And I, I half expected to see him in this episode. Uh, not half, but thought there was a chance because they talk about characters that we had seen in a while coming back. And <laughs> I guess it was just Edmure. <laughs> it's another thing that a lot of people speculate on the idea of Sam as the one that wrote yeah. the song of Ice of Fire and it, it, closing moments, just like, you know, Tolkien. He's closing the book up. And I, I like that idea, but realistically, Sam doesn't know enough of the story. Not enough time could, has passed well, for him to write this together, with the right perspective. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe he could, Well, and that's right, why but, Tyrion's not in uh, it, right? That's what they're showing us. He didn't, this, this dude who wrote it also didn't also really didn't have know all everything the story. about like, it, right? So. Like, what the heck? Like, that's, I, I thought that was a cool meta statement on. I mean, yeah. you saw the size of that book and you see how big their, their font is. Yeah, you know, it seems like should have mentioned some. Well, maybe he should have been mentioned once, but you think about how many books there are in A Song of Ice and Fire, the series that didn't make Tyrion mentioned. Yeah. And then think about just that's just one book, <laughs> as if it was all condensed to one book. <laughs> well, and then here's the other thing, right? This is uh, this leads into a more important mention of stories, which is Tyrion's pitch to everybody about how stories matter. That was a really meta moment where he's talking how stories matter. It's like, yeah, that's why we're all here. We're, you know, it's a, it was a pretty cool thing to say at the end of this long run of this great show is that how much stories move us, because it's true. We're all thinking, yep, well, look at my life the last several years. This story certainly did move us. Damn right it did. Uh, it's pretty hard to deny that, even if you hated season eight, if you hated season eight and hated season seven, if you're still watching, it had a big impact on you. <laughs> it at least ate up a bunch of your time. <laughs> I think I've said before, uh, this is our mythology. This yeah. is our generation's mythology. Our yeah. Maybe even our era's mythology, maybe Star Wars, I don't know. But yeah, it's, like it's will be talked about in a hundred years. Yeah. It's part of culture. People who never seen or or read any of this are still going to know Mother of Dragons. You know, yeah. it's a, I'm sure there are people out there who haven't seen Star Wars, but they still know what a lightsaber is, they, yeah. et cetera, you know. I, so I really liked Tyrion's speech there, even though I don't think it was enough to sell these people on Bran as king. I think that needed that that was obviously rushed. But... If it had been spaced out, that would have been a good part of the convincing argument. Yes, like that's yes. that. Like if they're distilling the argument down into a few into a, 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 a one scene, that's a pretty good job of distilling it. You know, especially you know if you mean? can imagine what might have happened is it might have sparked a series discussions or nominations yes, or defenses. Is, yeah, where 
Sansa could have said, hey, I got a pretty freaking good story, too. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Arya's like, hello, my yeah. story. It isn't about ruling. It's not why I'm fit to be a good leader, but it's a damn good yeah. story. <laughs> and you do need maybe a combination of someone who has a good story and yeah. would be a good leader, which maybe wouldn't be Arya, but still might be Sansa. And that's why some people were like, John, John's story is really amazing, too. He came back to life. He did, But again, John there's more to it. it. He doesn't want it. First and there's the whole compromise. Other people definitely don't want it. Yeah. And, yeah. So, yes, he's a good choice in that sense that he has a good story, but for the other reasons. Yeah, not so much. Um, what else do we have here? So that's that. I mean, that was one of that was pro- maybe the most important speech of the episode in terms of like carrying things forward. In terms of the climax, John and Danny stuff seems to be more important. But in terms of the aftermath, that was like the seminal speech of yeah. what what everything is like, what this is all about. And it kind of makes sense to give that to to, to Peter Dinklage, um, even though it's a little awkward to have the prisoner. Speak to everyone like that. It's after Grey Worm is like, no, you can't talk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Tyrion's... But frankly, like, if we're complaining about Tyrion being really convincing too quickly, I am much more convinced by this scene than I was by him talking his way out of the Mountain Clan clutches in season two. That's To me, that's yeah. far more out there. Like, they would just kill him. They wouldn't even pause to let him talk, you know. But, hey... Tyrion's character is good at talking his way out of things. It's always been a thing. It's always been established. So it makes sense that he would be the convincing guy at the end, you know. It fits in that sense, at least. All right. Let's see. Do we have any more questions? About <coughs> We're getting close to wrapping it up here. As Ashea said, we have a lot of other things to talk about on Book to Show Day. The possibility that Bran will be king in the books. The way Danny's armies might play out, whether Drogon will melt the throne, uh, how much this Nissa, Nissa story could work, uh, the, a lot of other stuff like that. Yara, Queen Sansa, Alyssa, and Arya. A lot of things that we might uh, got to think about and consider whether they'll actually happen in the books or how they might happen differently in the books. All right. So like I said, last chance to get those questions in. Here's one from Cara Bouchard. Do you think there was something sinister to Bran's ascension to the throne? I know he said he didn't want it, yet he knew he was supposed to have it. His dragon comment and what he told Jon came off eerie. Yeah, if he knows that people will see his I don't want it as a positive, then he could just say that more to win them over. You know, it's definitely possible. What do you think? I suppose it's possible, but still doesn't necessarily mean it's sinister. And I also think, much like I think of all the other visions and prophecies is it it, it wasn't clear it wasn't clear i think even to bran i think his visions of the future are minimal and clouded at best assuming that they the idea of like being able to affect the future once you know it's trying to change it it's like Uh, we said indexing like the world it's like he has the world wide web but he has to know what address to type in like he said like uh, maybe i can find drogon he clearly couldn't just do it yeah right he had to put some kind of effort he he, even he at a, I'm going to say what seems to be like a, a greater state of experience with this at this point, right? Was so uncertain if he could, if he could even find Drogon. So the mm. idea that he knew he would be king all along, uh, I don't think so. Yeah. He might have had a vision of some of these moments, but not really understood yeah. how to get there or what they meant even. Just like Melisandre had visions of battles at Winterfell, you know, it's like, so it must, uh, Stannis must be king. Well, she was, uh, the vision was true, but yeah. her interpretation was wrong. Might be part of why Bran held back on commenting or judgment because 
He wasn't quite sure what was going on. He might have been making a mistake when he was like, Yeah. Okay, Sam, go tell John right now. He's got to know. Like, and Grant like, might have been screwing up. Yeah. And just it like Melisandre screwed up. It can be manipulative without being sinister. Right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. he might, it might be like a brand knows best kind of thing. He thinks he knows best. And maybe he, maybe he does. He does have omniscience of some sort, not, not full omniscience, but he does know more than everybody. If you tell your kid that, they're not going to get dessert unless they clean up their room. You're being manipulative, but that's a good manipulation, I think, you know. <laughs> so a couple of images we didn't get to put up. Uh, we we talked about a couple of things that uh, Shay is always wearing so many hats. She doesn't always hear what we're saying because there's so much going on in the chat. So a couple of things that we talked about but didn't throw the images up for. The Werewood Dress from Sansa. We did, we talked about how awesome it looked, but we didn't get to put it up on screen. Really, really amazing. Kind of uh, the peak of of their amazing costume work, which we have that to look forward Imagine to. Imagine how pissed those costume designers like Michelle Clapton was. She's like, this is the piece de resistance. This is the best I've made. It's gorgeous. <laughs> this is the highlight of my It's here. It's on screen career. for 30 seconds tops, probably more like 20. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I barely. Bet, I bet Sophie Turner's like, I'm taking this home. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she, I took, they let me take the wolf home. I can take this, <laughs> I can take this dress home. Yeah. Arya's like, I'm taking this dagger. <laughs> John's like, I'm taking the wall. <laughs> Tormund's like, I'm taking Gwendolyn Christie. <laughs> and Arya's, uh, no, uh, and Tyrion's like, I'm taking a bath. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another, what, you got something to say? Well, yeah, they just did, uh, the, the image of Drogon burning the throne with John kind of turning his head, which I thought was a good moment in a lot of ways, but it particularly reminds me of being right about no one sitting on the throne at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no one did. She did not sit on it. She never placed her butt on that seat, not even for a second. Mm -hmm. She, uh, was distracted by John coming in, and that was that. <laughs> you know, that was another thought that we, we, we talked about for a, a brief moment the idea that how much ruling she really did versus conquering. You know? Yeah, there was some ruling uh, in Marine, and 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 in the books, it's it's a little more like it's that was rushed through. Right? Yeah. it does happen in the books more, but it's, she does feel the need to do it. She does want to be good at it, but yes. she still does not do nearly as much ruling as conquering. And she also isn't great at it in the book. She needs advice, and that makes sense. Like, why would she be great at it? She's like 14 yeah. or 15. And Robert was great at it. Why can't she? Uh, Ares was great at it. Why can't... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and but she definitely wants to be good at it, which is different than Ares and Robert, who did not really yeah, care yeah. about it. They just... Didn't put that kind of effort into it. And even other characters who maybe wanted to be good at it still weren't necessarily good at it. You know, yeah. like how maybe it's a little different being hand, but Ned was not good at being hand. You yeah. know, like a something I want to get a real close look at is those maps I was looking at, but um I yeah. have them, but they're not relevant to this yeah. episode. It's stuff we want to talk about on Wednesday. Yeah, and people honestly, in general will be looking at these for a while. Honestly, yeah. the map shots we got, I'll just give you a little primer on it. What we, what we see is maybe some like mistakes, honestly, on the maps. <laughs> um, as far as I can tell, and it's hard to get a non blurry shot, yada, yada, yada. They also spelled Barristan's name wrong in the white book. <laughs> they did. <laughs> they they <laughs> also had Robert Baratheon's name is Robert Barra. They just shortened they, it. Yeah. They, they reference Arthur Dane's father, Barrick Dane. We don't know his father's name, so could be Barrick Dane. Could be Barrick Dane. It could mm -hmm. be. Seems interesting for yeah. a Stormlander name to be a Dane name, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially a Marcher Lord. Yeah, name. exactly. We were, uh, That's why I'm like, I don't against think it's the Dornish. I don't think it's Barrick Dane, but maybe. <laughs> we have seen crossover names like that before, but yeah, it may not. Yeah, it's, 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 it bears a second look for sure. 
so another cool, very easy to miss moment when John is leading what appears to be a large group of wildlings with Tormund North beyond the wall to reclaim their homes, I suppose. Or, you know, maybe more ideally, it would make maybe more sense for them to go south and settle in the gift. But <coughs> clearly that's not what they said they were doing. And there was a quick moment there as they're walking where you see a, a, like a little greenery, like a quick, like a stalk coming out of the ground, like mm-hmm. a blade of grass or something. It's just cuts away from really quick, it's which is... It's a dream of spring. It's a dream of spring, yeah. exactly. It might also add to why they're going back north to start a new settlement because it's more settleable now. Yeah. It, it's a hint at what we can't sh- prove, what they can't prove, what they can't even know is happening, <laughs> but what might be happening, which is the seasons might be going back to normal. Uh, we did, we do, we are told by George that the seasons will be explained in the books. And, uh, so if we, th- they wouldn't have known that the seasons are normal yet by they now. They still might know, we don't know for sure how far along that image is. Yeah. And even if it's only months ahead, I doubt that, that, that it's moment there, right, they're going out with a bunch of kids. That's yeah. probably not the first ranging that they've made, right? They probably had other people ranging out there for a while and have seen fruits, flowers, blossoming, whatever, like, okay, maybe we can start a new settlement. Get the kids together. Let's go, you know. Yeah, that makes sense. John will be in charge. <laughs> so, um, I think that's about, oh, I guess a couple more questions have rolled in. Let's yeah, take care of those. A couple more questions. Were you guys saying you think John's just setting them out to settle? That's my thought. I, I tend to think that as well, but I will say it is a hotly kids. contested yeah. subject. A lot of people think he's down at the wall and he's going to go live beyond the wall. I don't think so. That I don't think that's the case, but it is a thing people are talking about. Oh, so you think maybe he was leaving to go live with He's going to go live with That's what some people okay. think. I don't <laughs> think that myself exactly. I'm kind of even he was in his Night's Watch clothes. Not yeah. that he has other clothes, but like symbolically, eh, I don't know. Uh, I just figured it's worth mentioning that it isn't as cut and dry as you yeah. guys are thinking. Yeah, I, I know. I, I I'm familiar with that theory. I I do side with the he's sticking to his oath. Uh, I don't know why he would have the ability to leave the Night's Watch. So yeah. yeah, it might not just matter. It just might not matter at all at that point. They're like, you don't need to stay in the Night's Watch. Yeah. Grey Worm and the Unsullied have left. Yeah, I mean, There's speaking no of not mattering, him, what yeah. they did with Sam here, it's like, wait, is he married? Wait, he can't be married because he's <laughs> an Archmaster. Wait, he's the Lord of the Re- Wait, yeah. Yeah. What, 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 what is Sam? What are the rules? What yeah, are the, the rules? rules. <laughs> <laughs> we do not know when you're Sam. You can do whatever you want. That's apparently <laughs> the rules. That's the rule for Sam. Uh, from Priscilla N, no question, just sending love. Well, thank you for that, Priscilla, Lady Pris, Lady Purple Kitty. Uh, Natiquilina Monteverde, that is a cool name. Tolkien's Norse inspiration versus Martin's. Yeah, well, Martin's got a lot of Norse inspiration in A Song of Ice and Fire. It's, it's a topic that several people have covered in depth, specifically looking at Jamie as a tear for losing his hand and for... Obviously, anyone losing an eye is a ref for knowledge is a reference to Odin. Both Bloodraven and Beric and some other characters have that going on with them. You and think uh, Santa gave Gregor some knowledge? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he gave him some knowledge of that knife. <laughs> Close and personal look at it. He gave himself some knowledge, which is, damn, you can survive that too? <laughs> Jeez, man. So, but I'm not as... Uh, versed in Tolkien's Norse inspiration, but it's there because there's really no such thing as a fantasy author, not at least a little bit affected by Norse mythology because it permeates our culture in a lot of different ways. Even like if the, you don't realize it or try, you're exactly, going to do it. Exactly. Now, it's definitely possible. Obviously, there's 
cultures that are, you know, there's authors that don't come from that background and that, you know, they would have come from a different background entirely, maybe weren't super exposed to Norse stuff, but it's very ubiquitous. Uh, certainly at Tolkien, it's, you know, he's a European guy. <laughs> it's, it's definitely in his background. Uh, Matthew Petty, would y'all consider reviewing, discussing the Lord of the Rings series coming on Amazon? John and Tormund go north looking for new ladies to love. Clearly those are separate statements because John and Tormund, I don't expect to appear in the new Lord of the Rings series coming on Amazon. <laughs> Not with that attitude. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we would consider it, but I kind of doubt we'll be able to do both because there's definitely people out there that know Lord of the Rings better than us. And if there's a prequel show and books, I don't think we'll have time to, to, to give Lord of the Rings the coverage it deserves. I don't think I have time to cover two series like that. You know, we know pretty well, though. You know Atlanta we're, pretty well. We, that's anything, a little easier to cover. If we're that's covering a, anything, we're covering The Expanse. Okay. Yeah, the ex- if we're covering another book series, The Expanse is more like yeah, another book series. That also show. has a TV show adaptation yeah. and both to cover. Yeah, realistically, I could because especially because we've already covered season two of that. And but um, but you never know. Like yeah. maybe the prequel show won't ha- won't will suck and won't get picked up or will <laughs> tank after one season and we'll be like, well. Maybe we should try a different fandom. No, that, that's not likely, but it is possible. Sean wants to cover Watchmen. Yeah, like I, I have, I'm, I'm trying to actually keep my hopes down for the Watchmen because I expect it to be. So I hope for it to be so good. Yeah, I'm, I'm also keeping my expectations down <clears throat> because I always do that. I will say, for better or worse, <laughs> that show might cause, might stir controversy. A lot of the topics and characters and of that story. You know, it even, looks bold. Yeah, we, mm-hmm. we, we, we generally speaking try to be uh, fair and positive, I'll say. And I can imagine that show. Imagine covering that show if a fandom surrounds it. There will be a lot of divisive, divisive points there. Yeah. You know? uh, from Bryce Acri, I'm continuing to enjoy the great episodes. Merci à vous trois. That's, uh, I believe that's thanks to us three, <laughs> the three of us. Well, you're welcome. We appreciate you saying so. We appreciate the super chat. We appreciate the engagement. It is part of what makes this fandom great. We get to discuss these things together. We get to figure it out together. We get to experience it together. And even though the show is over, we have plenty more to come and we hope you stick with us and the fandom in general, because it's going to be fun. What these things that we have coming. So I think that does it for today. Any more comments, Sean? It's your maybe last chance to say something for a little bit before we get you back on a live stream again in not too distant future, but it'll be at least a few weeks. I just need a whole nother stream. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll have to come back with the stream that was promised for Sean. Um, without actually promising when that will be, but it will be soon. It will be soon. You can bet on that much. I, are you going to dance today, Sean? I'm willing to. We should have an out. Uh, we should have a dance for yeah, this last for one. This for this last you, one. It's the, la- it's the last like it. Game of Thrones episode show only review. But so, do you know what you want to a- dance to, Sean? Well, when I had on the John Travolta Snow Sunday Night Fever Stan Alive shirt. Last time, I thought that that would be a good song to play. Maybe it could still be. Okay, that's a good. Maybe point. maybe the drum and bass mix of the of Jenny's song might be going too, though. Right. I don't know how easily you could get that up or how good the know, sound will I be. I don't have it. I haven't heard it. Yeah. I haven't seen it. Bee Gees might be better. It's more recognizable. Everybody knows that song. Yeah. Um, and John does is pretty good at staying alive, or at least coming back alive. <laughs> uh, someone of- said bittersweet dance. <laughs> Bittersweet dance. Yeah, we'll just have to do a. Stay we'll be some email. I'll do some shoegazing. 
Okay, I'm looking this up for you, Sean, as I assume you need it any second now. <laughs> Are you looking up Staying Alive? Staying Alive. I'm, I'm kind of like already getting into it here. <laughs> yeah, I see people talking about the expanse in the chat here while we're waiting for the music situation to uh, work itself out. Yes, there are right, eight books of nine out in the Expanse series, and they've been coming out on schedule. Uh, very few delays, and so the ninth book will be complete. Will complete the series, and that's pretty cool to have a finished series to talk about. Uh, and Shay and I really love it. Book eight is her favorite. Book seven is my favorite. Book three was my previous favorite. Book four was her previous favorite. So you know. Really, really, I see a lot of other people backing me up on this. The Expanse books are great. Yeah, people are talking about the novellas. Yeah, and if and if uh, I've said it before, but I'll mention it again. The guys who write the Expanse, one of them used to be George R. R. Martin's assistant, and both of them, I believe, played in the original setting, which was a role-playing game. The Expanse was a role-playing game setting that got turned into a series of novels and a TV show on first sci-fi and now Amazon. And we got, looks like we got the cat of black and white ready for this shot as well. Okay. Heck yeah. Oh, it's almost happening, yeah, folks. Shay is grabbing the camera. Bye. People, let me know if you can hear the music. People are also asking me about the new CK2 version. I have not played the new modified version, but I will be getting back to streaming on Twitch with it. Here we go. Sean be dancing. Get it. As usual, I read the chats while Sean is dancing. We have a love you, Sean. We have a we can hear it. We have uh, dancing emojis. We have that is a big room. We have Sean staying alive. We have Kitty. We have LOL. <laughs> we have. Yeah. Burning alive. <laughs> this is a joke. Yeah. Best water dancer I've seen. What was Sean drinking? I must have missed it. He was drinking green naked juice. He t- talks about it at the beginning. Green naked juice and like coconut pineapple sparkling ice. Yeah, something gross like that. Set that floor on fire, says Steph P. He'll dance with some Ramstein, says Matt Sanders. Fire emoji. That man moves like a god, says Facundo Clemente. Ah, burning alive. Can Sean take off his pants, says King Egg on the, the Egg on the Fourth. <laughs> yeah, I think we need we need a big super chat to get him to do that. Of course it was King Egg on the Unworthy who asked that question. We need we have a great dancing, great season ch- uh, comment from Jack Himes. We have uh, thank you for the amazing live stream. We have I'll miss dancing Sean. Well dancing Sean will be back. Pants off, dance off. Where are the kitties? Well, there's one kitty in there. There's the the black cat of black and white. The rest are not perturbed by the music at all. It's funny how cats cats can be disturbed by like the sound. Yeah, he would. You you can pop up just a slight. You can you can like peel back like one inch of a cat food can, and every cat in the house will wake up. But right now, they just aren't responding to staying alive. (laughs) Someone says green naked juice is the best. Black Mirror Game of Thrones crossover. Better than season eight. <laughs> From Lady Marmalade says, Go, Sean, go, Sean, go, go, go. 
Sean, Dancing Sean YouTube channel. We need a cat cam that just picks up on Sean dancing randomly. Sean's to love Sean's dancing, even if the cats don't yeah, seem to care. Not looking at all. <laughs> White boy Seawalk. <laughs> Sean, you should audition for the Saturday Night Fever remake. Arya went west to pick up her very own Irish wristwatch. <laughs> Sean needs a dancing channel. I think that's I it. Still love to put the whole song He's really giving it. Yeah, cats have nine lives, so whatevs. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. I just I'm, I'm paranoid about us getting copyright infringement for some reason. <laughs> for using the whole song. Okay, everybody. Thank you very much, everybody. Thanks for attending. Thanks for liking and Sean's sharing little, and subscribing. Little. Sean's a little winded. <laughs> That's right, our friend Rudy, who who we've known a long time. We have referred to Rudy before in uh, in, in this show, but I don't remember what we said. <laughs> Even in this episode, he's the one who brought up Danny being betrayed and not betraying. Oh yeah, okay, cool. Well, right. then now y'all know, y'all know a little more about us. Uh, so until next time, thank you very much. Thanks to Shea, thanks to Michael Clarfeld for the maps and the music. Thanks to all of you. Thanks to all of our uh, patrons. Thanks to all of our Facebook mods and everyone who has made our Game of Thrones coverage possible and excellent and fun. And, well... And boo to everyone who spoiled me. <laughs> yeah. Some Every of... one of you who spoiled me, I give you a big hearty thumbs down. <laughs> and that's it. Yes. I still hope you have success in life. Thank you, too, Ashea. <laughs> Seriously, that's a tough job she has monitoring the chat because she has been... Not only did she face trolls, but she faces spoilers. So it was very, very, very courageous of her to, to put herself in front of all that so that we could talk about it unspoiled. So double thank you for that. Triple thank you for that. Something that you guys aren't even aware of, but just one of the many hats she wears back here making this work. So she's like Mira dragging Bran on a sled. Yeah, she's and then they're not all. getting thanked for it afterwards. Yeah, yeah just Bran's like, "All right, thanks, bro." <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not even a bro. What are you talking about? <laughs> okay. So thanks everybody, and uh, Valar rewatches. Valar reread us. See you soon, folks. <laughs>